three cinephiles have come together to bring you strong opinions, controversial statements, epic battles, and plenty of fun. Introducing our host, the man who watches 52 movies a week, drinks 52 beers a movie, loves women but hates the woman, from the foreign land of Canada, our host, Mood616. He is widely known as the man who talks too much. His worst enemies are Postmaster P and Pee Wee Herman. He said Hellraiser was overrated and Leprechaun Origins wouldn't suck. He's the full-blooded half-Mexican, JP. Finally, we have the man who doesn't talk enough. He is best friends with Sean S. Cunningham. His favorite horror movie is Gummo. He is your favorite Jew and mine, Jeremy. Together, they are known for extending a helping hand to Vampircons everywhere. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 105 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, the legend of the Canadian six-fingered shocker master blaster. Rumor has it that his extra finger will make you fart to orgasm, a.k.a. Moods. On my right-hand side, we have the legend of the Mexican burrito. Rumor has it, if you eat this special dish, he will argue everything to the death for no apparent reason and then shit your pants for no apparent reason. Double Shot J, also known as JP. And finally, we have the legend of the man who spent $50,000 on his education and now he can only pronounce names incorrectly and say dirty words like fuck and call everybody purple-headed mule penises. NES ruler, aka me. All of fuckers. What's you that? forgot that he literally does not know his ABCs. Literally. <laughs> I actually thought <laughs> Dude, about that. that clip. Too. I was listening to the show back when doing the edit. And I was like, oh my god, he did it twice too. <laughs> it was so bad. No, my favorite part about that that whole conversation is that he asked us if it was right. <laughs> he actually took the time to mentally ask us if that was correct. I don't even think you could blame that Why on a brain XC? fart. That's correct, right, guys? <laughs> I don't even... Do you have an excuse for this one? He is totally... He's, he's wordless. speechless, man. He can't... He, like, that, that's ridiculous. Oh, $50,000, It's brutal. Listen, 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 listen. <laughs> we, I know we joke with Jeremy about him pronouncing names wrong. Dude. There are literally so many. Like, it's insane. I Lance would love Anderson. Lewis to make a... <laughs> dude, Lewis. Luis. Please start yeah, going yeah, back. I forget you just said his name wrong, you fucking asshole. I literally had forgot about that one, and I was listening to that clip again, and it, I was fucking rolling Lance Henderson. <laughs> dude, oh, my, my favorite one, though. God, for the love of God... Please, on episode 100 alone, there's three. Please start from the beginning and find these, dude. Find them. Like, I don't care how long it takes you. This will be yeah, the most epic. He's best in the of. Hall of Fuckers, so fuck him. But can we get an update on the Hall of Fuckers? So Jeremy's starting this thing called the Hall of Fuckers. Care to explain what this is? Well, the Hall of Fuckers are people who think that they are cool and dis include me. See, I just fucking misspoke. Ah, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Don't include me in the awesomeness when they're talking about the show. For example, our good friend, Mr. Jerry. Fuck you, Jerry. You didn't talk about me. So, of course, Jerry's in the hall of fuckers. Got another dude. Fuck Tim. Tim was last week. Tim. Forgot what Tim did, but I know I can't pronounce his last name, so I'm not even going to try. So, fuck Tim. We got a new guy, Steven. Uh, 
I think JP, you showed me this one. Am I correct? Wh- who's the one that called you the other guy? Because that was literally yeah. fucking okay. hilarity. Well, actually, you know That's what? Well, I, we do need to read those iTunes reviews. So <laughs> Let's do it. I'm pulling them up now. Don't worry. That's I got. I actually have them. So uh, this is a good segue. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not doing them yet. What? We got fuck Steven. I think he left a comment on one of your videos saying something dicky about me. Yeah. Fuck Steven. We got fuck Louise. I feel like Louise should not be in the Hall of Fuckers. Well, guess what? Fuck Louise because he said that moods is the main reason why the show is so good. All thanks to you, buddy. Okay. Yeah, but fuck that – no, 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 no. What about no, me and no. I know how Louise actually feels about me, and he loves me, literally oh, yeah. loves me. So Look at I know that that is not true. And mm-hmm. he was just putting on a show, so I know that. And well, I feel like you should reevaluate his entry into the Hall of Fuckers. I, I understand that you need to have this Hall of Fuckers, but I feel like you can't just let anybody in. Well, like, just put it this way. I'll start sending it. you guys. I'll, I'll start sending you guys screenshots of PMs that I get that are <laughs> people specifically talking about Jeremy. This Hall of Fuckers list. We'll get out of control. But then I feel like I'm just kind of breaking this confidence, you know, that they're sending me these things as PMs on for a reason. Yeah. yeah. All right. Anyway, <laughs> we have plot. I'm just trying to get Jerry super paranoid right now. He's like, what do you mean you're getting all these PMs? I don't give what are a they shit. saying? What are they saying about me? I don't give a shit. And we have uh, hashtag fuck Yeah, Lucky. you don't give a shit like you didn't just create a Hall of Fuckers segment. A Hall of Fuckers. Hashtag fuck Hall Mike. Of fuckers. Uh, Mike Burns who from iTunes. You're a fucking dick. You don't deserve to win a prize because you've got a review <laughs> on iTunes. But fuck you, you fucking piece of shit, JP, if you want to do the honors and read the review, and then I'll rip him a new one. Okay, so actually there are a few reviews, and we do say that we're going to read these. So very quickly, we have a five-star from Walshy, one of the very few truly great horror podcasts, full five-stars. Uh, full five star show here everyone don't miss it i have been a podcast listener since people didn't even know what a podcast was my passion is horror films and everything involved in the horror world before i started doing my own podcast i listened to easily a hundred different horror podcasts there are less than five that i actually still get excited to listen to and this is one of them these guys know their stuff and just to give just give wow we are in the top 95 percent our enjoyment yeah just keep doing what you've been doing and i will still be here listening i appreciate all the enjoyment you have given my ears over uh all this time and bonus points for being an insane collector for being insane collectors of the horror genre stuff like myself larry walsh aka walshy from the horror cast big shout out to the horror cast uh homies over there mark nato uh, Walshy and Horror Gal Susan, I think. Uh, oh yeah, who's that guy from Blumhouse? Because he didn't include us on his list, so fuck the guy from Blumhouse. <laughs> yeah, right. He's in the Hall of Fuckers. Yeah, that guy is in the Hall of Fuckers. Uh, <laughs> Jambo 1981, great cast, five stars. Love this podcast. The format is fantastic. I love the discussion and the guys have about movies. Dot H. So I don't know what that means. Uh, Nudie28, uh, it's like oh, no, for your Neil. ears. Hashtag fuck Neil. Fuck you, Neil, you fucking bitch. From uh, NFW, <laughs> which is um, no fucking Neil. way. Not not for work. Uh, this is, he says, it's like porn for your ears. JP, Bad News Moods, and the other guy. Yeah, well, uh, fuck you. I'll show you the other guy, you fucking piece of shit. Man, fuck what, what a trio bitch. they are. No, 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 no. Stop talking, Jake. Bad news moods? <laughs> I've never heard that before. Fucking asshole, Neil. <laughs> and then he goes on the Facebook page and he makes funny memes of me. Dude, those well, were the greatest. What? The other guy. 
That was awesome. Oh, I literally, st- I burst out <laughs> laughing, dude. That was fucking so funny. <laughs> Listen. It's so perfect, man. <laughs> perfect. Um, but he says the shows I, flow like fine guy. wine, and no matter how long they are, they just seem to fly by. They run down series with much info as they can give. Each show is very informative. Give them a listen, and you won't be sorry. So even though he, he kind of dissed Jeremy a little bit, no, um, no, 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 no. Fuck him. He dissed me a little bit. He didn't even say my name, so fuck you, Neil. Well, he didn't you know your name. You just came back. Give him some time, okay? Oh, that's a bunch of bullshit. He technically I was did start le- listening after you left. That's some horseshit. I don't fucking believe that. I'm in the fucking intro. Well, this one. <laughs> I was fucking in the show notes, too, so fuck him. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then you, the Neil. final one here, which gave us a four star. Come on guy what's the deal no i'm kidding four stars are fine no, one no, stars no, no. are fine you, if you, you actually have cri- criticism i'm fine with that um mike burns who uh great horror podcast these guys know what they're talking about jp gives fair reviews based on technicalities not his own opinions which i'm not the biggest fan of i just don't understand saying i don't like this film but it's an 8.5 well just to clarify that that is me being unbiased because just because I don't like something, it is not my cup of tea, I don't give a damn about uh, tennis, doesn't mean that a movie about tennis is bad. It's just facts, you know? I'm trying to be as unbiased as possible. So that's where I'm coming from with that. But I do understand how you're saying, like, how can you not like it, but still remove yourself enough to rate it uh, unbiasedly. And it's a hard trick, and, and, and I've worked hard at it, so... Uh, but we'll give, he says, but we'll give each and every review, uh, every reviewed film a fair shake and really dissects each and every film. Moods drops the knowledge on old school Italian flicks and has recommended some great ones that I may not have checked out otherwise. Jeremy doesn't bring much to the table other than screaming asinine comments in the middle of <laughs> intelligent conversations and giving ridiculous reviews based on film school knowledge. I guess that's just the thing, though. Love it otherwise. I love the long-form format and different segments from Moods and JP. I have checked out numerous horror films based on their recommendations from the 22 Shots crew, even from 10 out of 10 Derek. Give these guys a listen and let them take you to school on a film or two. That was a a well-written review. What do you think, Jeremy? Oh, Mr. Mike. (laughs) (laughs) If only you knew everything that my genius mind has come up with on the show, such as the amazing Hall of Pain and amazing other things, such as the creation of this fucking show. So fuck you. If it wasn't <laughs> for me, there would be no show. That's where you so dropped the you. mic, Dick. <laughs> the creation of this show. Yeah, it was mic me. Drop. I created Boom. the show. I think the Hall of Pain idea. thing was kind of a mutual thing, though, wasn't it? Didn't it just start uh, Jeremy, a joke? Re- Jeremy did come up with the joke. And then he really pushed it. I was very against it, if you remember correctly. Oh, I know. I know. And I, I, I just think the Hall of Shame is it's a great idea. But I'm pretty sure I came up with it, though. He came up with the joke, and I said, let's... We have to have that, uh... You know, that, that Hall of Shame right next to the Hall of Fame. It just makes sense, right? It just made sense. And, and guess what? If you, don't like, if you don't like me, guess what? You can click the fuck off to the podcast and not listen. So, fuck you. <laughs> 
I don't give a shit about it. Or if you don't like Jeremy, like I can just edit him out for you and give you a no. No, 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 version. no. Because if you do that, then you give that fuckhead Jerry his wish, and we don't want to do that because Jerry's a fucking <laughs> asshole. Jerry's my so boy. Fuck that. No, 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 no. Jerry could go fuck himself. <laughs> fuck you, Jerry. So thanks everybody my... for the iTunes reviews. Please keep doing that. It helps tremendously. If you type in horror podcast right now on iTunes, guess what pops up? A bunch of horror movie podcast episodes, a bunch of movie crypt episodes, and a bunch of exploding heads episodes. What? Yeah. And then one twenty two shots episode. Come on, guys. We used to be up there. Do they have that many more reviews than us? Exploding heads I'm talking about? Dude, they didn't. I, it, I don't know what happened. I looked at their reviews and they had like 40 oh. something. And I think we had, I think we had like, I think we're close to 50, 47 maybe. Mm-hmm. And I think they had 40 something. They're up to like 70 now or something crazy. Well, I think, but you have to, I mean, how many of those are, you know, four or five star ones? Because isn't there like a shitload of one star ones now? No, well, basically, they had a couple, and excuse me, Dave and, and Brandon and Christian, if I'm wrong on this, but I believe they had a few beefs, and they th- I think that resulted in a couple one star reviews. So they really pushed like, hey guys, there's some asses leaving us one star reviews. Can you guys go and review us on the, you know? Yes, oh, that's yeah, what happened. I forgot the most important person into the hall of fuckers and that's jp because he won't make me a fucking admin on my own fucking facebook page that i'm fucking helped so <laughs> that's fuck because you, you're a JP. dick when you when you're an admin you just no, you no, let the no, power no. go to your head you start no, like no. not adding no, no, people no no, yeah. no 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 banning people like shankle and oh no well, wait a minute that was me <laughs> yeah that was you so fuck you and i know he's in the group hidden dude he's behind not in the group that like kid is long dude. gone <laughs> So yeah, why would that kid be still around? <laughs> you want to know anyway, why he's not around anymore? Because of me. Okay, sure. But <laughs> basically I'm sure what I'm trying to say is, hey, guys, we got a one-star review. Can you rate us and review us, please? Don't check and see if we got a one-star review. <laughs> but no, I mean, um, it's cool. I, like, Exploding Heads recently got uh, attached in that horror podcast to check out from Blumhouse, which is amazing. Like that, that's, that's really cool. I hope that that, you know, um, lets people know about, about, you know, some of us tier two shows as Dave created the tier system. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I thought it was, we always mentioned that we never get mentioned in those lists and to see one of our homies get mentioned. It's almost like we got mentioned in it. You know what I mean? Cause they mention us all the time. So it's like mentioned by association almost. And, um, you know, one day, one day, maybe we'll get there. I do find it funny that they just did a couple segments talking about not necessarily negative on shockwaves per se, but on the group page. Like, I don't think they said anything bad about shockwaves. Like I think we all like shockwaves, but the Facebook page, like ridiculous like running that it does over there like the rules and stuff they were talking mad shit on that and then like they got they've got like banned from uh the shockwave page but i guess like the you know elric from shockwaves and and i don't know rob g maybe everybody like came together and realized like how dumb that whole thing was and cooler heads prevailed like i it was a cool story to see everything work out good you know what i mean what could have ended up into a complete shit show like war of podcasts you know world war podcast or something so uh that's cool that that worked out congrats to exploding heads for making that list i was pissed because the guy didn't mention us talked to him a little bit said he didn't he didn't know of us 
but uh, he would listen. So, you know, maybe next time, maybe next time. Um, but yeah, yeah. yeah all the assholes were laughing at us. Well, they're all they're laughing gonna, at us. They're gonna listen <clears throat> to it and then be like, "No, nah, that Jeremy kid swears too much and says too many." You could just fucking things. hear Brandon too. He's like, "Ah, exploding or uh, twenty-two shots made this show, and we're the one getting mentioned." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a fucking dick. Uh, but yeah, you know, um, I don't think we're too too vulgar. Like somebody brought up a comment about that. Like Jeremy is a little uh, annoying sometimes Extreme. to people. You know, in who might be unfamiliar with him. If you listen for a while, you kind of get that he's like a character and stuff. Um, but I think we're fine. I, I think we're fine with the way we are. Um, Exploding Heads change. gets very, very in the gutter as well. So don't don't get it twisted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, we get we've been getting a lot of comments recently, and it's almost like people aren't understanding our humor. Sometimes we sit here and go off on tangents and argue about stupid things like mm-hmm. the letter Z versus Z. And people are, like, explaining that to us, like, the history of the letter and stuff. And it's like, well, kind of just fucking around here. Yeah, yeah. It was just for, like, comedy's sake. Like, I heard it on Exploding Heads and I was like, oh, that was funny when I was listening to it. I have – I wish I was there to add stuff to it. I'll bring it on to our show, which, you know, I know that we share conversations all the time. We get brought up tons over there and we bring them up tons over here because we're really, like, a super close-knit community between us six hosts and – and I love those guys, so we we share funny in jokes, and then we get this entire like history of the word, which happens sometimes. I've noticed that sometimes yeah. people are like, "Well, just in case," and hey, I'm cool with it because at least it means you guys are listening and you guys are, you know. Sometimes I genuinely am curious about like what what it is, and I didn't know some of that stuff. I did know that it was probably some sort of Greek term because you know just that it seemed like it was, and I think I heard that before, but. Um, I didn't know that it's, and what was funny, what was really funny is about five people said something and at least three of their explanations were different from each other. So <laughs> I know I thought that was funny too, Yeah, <laughs> which just kind of added to the whole element of comedy right there, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, I've been noticing that a lot, like just certain things and which is fine. I mean, keep leaving the comments. I have no problem with them. It's just, I love responding to them too. I'm just like, man, we're fucking around guys. I couldn't believe the <laughs> response for laid to rest, dude. Like apparently I know everybody like, we love have that either got very jaded like Brandon and movies are seen bad to us, which I don't believe is true because I've been loving the stuff that I've been seeing lately or fucking we got too harsh on movies which i don't think is the case either i don't think or that's people the case are crazy no I, th- I think we called it how it is i think people but like i thought but about how it does I, jason literally think late to rest 2 is better than late to rest 1 like how does that even enter your same. mind getting in the psyche of that who fucking knows but i think it's a ma- i think it's a case simply of the fact that we've seen the film as recent as you know a week ago and i think some people might be going off older viewings like we said and how they perceive it because i i used to think i liked it more too yeah that's the best thing about rewatching these type of films that we've seen it so recently Dude, i loved it when our, i first seen it like it was that's one of what my i'm favorites. saying that's what i'm saying it's like I, I don't think people understand that people's tastes change and also the way you perceive a film upon rewatch if you're doing it from a critical standpoint is completely different than just watching it as a regular film. Mm. I think that's what a lot of people don't understand about what we do is that sometimes I'll watch a film like look at Pet Cemetery 2. Great example. I used to fucking argue that that film was really good and then upon rewatching it recently, I fucking diarrheaed all over that film. <laughs> yeah, I like Like it. I shit on that fucking film. I, I think it's really, really bad. Well, and it, it's just the way shit happens. You know, we... 
our taste change, especially from a critical standpoint too. Yeah. So, well, Dave is actually somebody who watched it current. He watched it for our show, which he does a lot, and we appreciate it because that lets him listen to the featured reviews if he hasn't seen the film. And basically, he came in at 6.5 on part one, which is what I came in with, so I do agree with that. But he came in at way higher on on part two. I I just don't see it really, man. Yeah, me neither. Like, it, it, it's 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 a it's very fucking mediocre at best. Mm-hmm. I think, like I don't know if people are seeing what we're like. They're obviously not seeing how we're seeing it, but we I think the thing like that kills that overall film. Why. Yeah, I think the thing that kills that overall film is that they're trying to do something bigger than the budget's allowing, and it comes off really cheesy and bad. Mm-hmm. It's not a good film. It's not so. like we just said it was bad and didn't say why we think it's bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't seeing a whole lot of explanation to why people were rating it so high. They're yeah. like, "Yeah, the gore is really good," and I'm like, "Yeah, we it said that." It's it, okay. it was, and it, it isn't was, even really good. It's just yeah. decent. <laughs> I, I think it's it kind of averages itself out. There's some pretty decent kills in that film, but with the incorporation of a little bit of CG and stuff, I think it brings down that element. Also, mm-hmm. the best element of the film is the gore, but it's kind of dummied with some really spotty CG. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, now that we talked about everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, let's get into some news. We right. got some news. So we're going to keep the news pretty short this week. There was a few things that came out, nothing major. Uh, I do want to limit the news on these bigger shows to sort of um, just what's important. And this was really important for me because yeah. I, I, one, I knew this shit was going to happen. Well, I, I dropped it. I was the one that told you guys. Yes. So yes, it was apparently bad. Tom Holland or not Tom Holland, Don Mancini. <laughs> I wish it was uh, Tom Holland. Yeah, I know. Right. Um, Don Mancini sent out a tweet and Mancini is the one that is currently working on the seventh child's play cult of Chucky. Uh, and he sent a pic of uh, Chucky and Tiffany and Glenn slash slash Glenda um, the image did not have any text, but it was sort of possibly saying that, well, Glenn, Glenn Glenda is gonna probably be in the new back. No! Um, and he also, what did he say? He said, huge thanks to Billy Boyd <sighs> actor for giving oh. Glenn Glenda his, her beautiful heart. So that Bad was move. the actor Bad who move. played, yeah. um, Glenn Glenda. So, what happened if we're all just assholes and this doesn't did they, happen? Did they not read any of the response and you know the critical views of Glenda from Cedar Chucky? And didn't they like listen to what people said about the last one, how much they liked it, how it went back to its original but, dude, roots? And we were like talking about how awesome it sounded and all that kind of stuff. And then they dropped this. It's like, and what happened if we all look like a bunch of assholes and he's not even in it well, and he's it, just being I would nice. be okay with him being in it as like a cameo to say like, yes, it's in the same universe. Because Call- Curse of Chucky, you know, the end of it suggests that this is all still sequelized. Like, they didn't explain how based on the yeah. end of Seed of Chucky, yeah. but mm-hmm. I assume they're going to explain it eventually. It's all still sequelized, which I'm cool with. I'm okay with... It, 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 you know, accepting the fact that those films happen, but I just loved where we went away from them, and mm-hmm. I had a feeling at the end of damn Curse of Chucky that we were starting to go back into that territory where 
it was like, okay, this is a, this is the reboot we needed, but let's go back to what I know. And li-. like, I almost feel like Don Mancini likes that stuff more. And I mm. feel like that's why he tries to put it in his films because he's making the films he wants to make, which is fine on one regard. Which but- you have, which you have to respect. But then again, this is a really popular franchise and too, you got to kind of consider the fans a little bit. And I think, the backlash of that character and even re-putting it into what we thought was going to be, you know, more of a serious film, I think is a bad move. I'm really hoping that, you know, this picture of Glenda happens to be just a still before the green goblin Mack truck from maximum overdrive, just fucking plows into him and kills him. (laughs) You know, get rid of the character like that. It's very, very, very frustrating for me because I, First of all, I recently watched the original Child's Play at a drive-in, and I absolutely loved it. It was it was yeah, one awesome. of the highlights of the night. Thirty-five millimeter. I just oh, I completely got that film better than I ever have. Like I felt it. It was creepy. the The wind was blowing cool, and it just it was perfect atmosphere for that movie. And I loved it, and I've always loved Child's Play 2, and I've always l- really liked slash loved Child's Play 3. Bride of Chucky, I liked when it came out, and then Seed of Chucky just annoys me to no end. Like, it is just not Child's Play. It's just not. It's it's annoying. No, it's a fucking comedy is it's what it is. It's a comedy. It t- completely removes... It's, it's a sitcom. It's a sitcom. If it was <clears> shot <throat> like a sitcom, it would be a sitcom. You With the I mean? laugh track and all I mean, that. If you're gonna have, if you're gonna have random cameos from like John Waters in your film and shit like that, come on, man, Red Man. It's it just it's turning itself into something we, as the true fans, don't want to. We definitely don't want to see, man. Yeah, like they need just, to keep. And then Curse of Chucky comes out, and we all praise it. it made my top ten in 2013. Like. It was great. It was awesome. It was it was a return to form. It was creepy. It was back to dark Chucky. Yeah, and they even had a little bit of like modern Chucky in there, you know, like like the end. Yeah, and I was cool with that. I just want it to be Chucky Which as we know him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I want it to be dark and serious. Like I'm Chucky was always kind of funny. I'm okay with that. I'm okay yeah, with him being funny kind of in funny. the first one. Because that the serial killer Charles Lee Ray is kind of a funny guy, like so of course he's gonna be still funny, but I don't want to see this slapstick ridiculous humor. I'm okay with <laughs> Tiffany and Jennifer Tilly's character. Well, the the first but, couple films have that dark humor. You know, it's showcasing that. That's you know, the ugliest style killer, I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's as a serial killer, you can still have dark humor. You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But I, I I just I'm nervous about this. I'm gonna completely withhold my complete judgment until we actually see the film obviously but you know definitely when i say and i said this to moods before it's okay to have like pre um what is it what is the word pre judgments pre judgments yeah sure um preconceived notions Mm -hmm. about a movie when you have a a limited information on it you just can't roll with that and bank on it it's okay it's okay to have these conversations and these uh, initial opinions, it, but when you go to see the movie, that's when you have to be open. But this is exactly what they're going for. You know, they're not going to post a picture of Glenda and not want us to discuss it. 
Well, maybe that's have, why he and, did it. And create these preconceived notions of what this film's going to be. I mean, well, maybe there's, he no just, point in, there's no point in posting that picture if they're not going to put that character in there. It's a matter of how why, much though? they're going to use that character in there. Though. I mean, We're talking about the film, so maybe he's just yeah. trolling us. <laughs> he could be just fucking around, too. I mean, that would be very strange. And again, it creates buzz. I mean, we're, I mean yeah. the thing is, you don't need the Glenda character to create buzz for a, for a new Child's Play sequel. The franchise speaks for itself. Is it the worst character that. ever introduced to a slasher franchise? Without it has question. To be. It has Without to question. be. Yeah. I mean Why? Ginger Deadman's a better character. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so that, I, that that's the like, news. It, it's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> um that's the only thing I wanted to discuss. Um I think you guys know our opinions on it and you know, I'm sure that many of you agree with me. I, I would like to see somebody be like, "Oh, I actually really love the Glenn Glenda character." And I'd be you like, know, the funny, you, sir, the funny thing is, asshole. the funny thing yeah, is, when that's... I first saw, when I saw first seen that picture, you know, I was kind of thinking about it, and I was going, "I wonder if they're doing it as a feeler." You know, they haven't incorporated what they have an idea to incorporate Glenda. So what mm-hmm. they're doing is they're posting a picture and they're getting the social critics and the media and, and you know, all the fans and stuff to start talking about it. And then they're considering the feedback. Oh, this. No, dude. Portion- I would maybe buy that if they weren't making the movie right now. Well, that's what I'm the saying. The movie's maybe, wrapped, maybe, though, I thought. But maybe they're, maybe they're stuck and they just want to incorporate a couple more scenes and they want to throw in like a, a Glenda. Is it wrapped, though? Who really knows? I, I think don't think it, it's done. I think it is. Maybe. Actually. Maybe. I, I swore it but, was rare. But I, I don't know. These things are just kind of fun to think about. I, I kind of like that notion of just kind of feeling out the I, people. The, the stuff reason and, I don't believe that is because I know Don Mancini likes that character. I know he likes Glenn and Glenda. I think he thinks he thinks. But maybe he's a, a tad bit unsure it. about it. Maybe he's a tad bit unsure about in this film. Maybe this film's so dark and throwing that Glenda character in there, he's not 100% sure if it's going to work. So he's going to get some feedback, you know, <laughs> kind, of, right, kind dude, of subconsciously, kind of subconsciously. I don't or think something. that's what's happening. I hope you're right. <laughs> It's it's just a retarded theory. This is all theories. Like I said, we could just oh, yeah, it's it's all speculation. We, we do, exactly it could be literally. Oh, you could watch the film and be like, now we're gonna think like, oh, we're gonna be watching and be like, oh, when that asshole's gonna show up? And then what happened if we get to the end credits and he doesn't fucking show up? We're gonna be like, <laughs> or, or he oh, shows a up bunch in the end dicks. credits and it's like, psych. <laughs> that yeah. would be the epic. That would be so epic. Um, the one thing I do know, the one thing I do know is that I'm really, really excited to see the film, though. It's yeah, actually I mean, one of the highlights take of the year my for me. excitement away, but it makes me more nervous. It, it, it makes me nervous, but now I really want to find out if that character's in there or not. I mean, it's not the only reason why I want to see the film. It's a child's play film. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get to I cover mean, these movies when it comes out, so I'm excited about that. A1 by. Yeah, it's been a while since I've even watched some of the child's play films, so this is going to be exciting when this comes out. Do the franchise and. I haven't Knocked seen another one off Child's the Play list. two and three in over six years, so I haven't seen Bride in. Wait, no, no, no. I still no, eight not years. I, I did it in twenty fourteen, I think, when Chris. I haven't seen Bride in a long time. Yeah, I still think Part Three has one of the most brilliant things in it ever. When yep. he replaces the fucking paintballs mm-hmm. with real bullets, <laughs> like that's brutal, man. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Whoever came up with that idea is that's genius shit. It's awesome. <laughs> so that is the news. All right, so getting into Mood Swings and the DVD and Blu-ray releases for, I guess we'll just do for, um, uh, what is it, June? June June 20th, 2017. Are you going to do next week since this show is not going to post until after this week's releases are out? But these ones are like kind of so much better. 
but not really. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Th- this show will probably be posted like on the twenty first. So these are the these are the releases from yesterday. <laughs> I guess I will put it then. I don't know. The twenty seventh. Yeah, whatever. We'll do these. These ones are okay. Uh, first up here, we got uh, Arrow's release of the Bird with the Crystal Plumage Special Edition. Uh, covered the film on this podcast before. Italian um, man, I think a the first man, it seems like love. every everybody in their fucking doggies has picked this one up. I've seen a million pictures of this one, so everyone's getting theirs in early. Uh, amazing film. I heard the transfer. It's a new 4K transfer, and I heard the transfer is just amazing on it. Because I think that was one complaint yeah, that a lot of people had with the VCI very first Arrow. Wasn't very good. The VCI one wasn't great, but then Arrow did their own transfer, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, for the window box edition, and you know, people that was the one complaint people had with that was the transfer. So, haven't heard any complaints on this one. Hmm. So, That's interesting. My favorite you know, Argento film. I love that movie. Yeah, so that one, beautiful edition. If you don't have it, definitely grab that one. Uh, from Screen Factory, we've got the Lawnmower Man in a collector's edition. You know what's That's funny? Right. I've been I hearing so much myself. love for this movie on 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 podcasts. I was like, I thought it was garbage. Yeah. What, the, what, what do you mean, love for the actual film or the release? The the film. Oh my god! Really? Like, I always thought the Lawnmower Man was a very underwhelming kind of sci-fi garbage. Film. Like, I tried to watch up. it a while ago and I couldn't get into it. It's this goes up there with garbage pail kids, you know. No, no, that release people wanted that release. Like that, that mm-hmm. was that was a big release. Yeah, that was definitely requested. It was a fun, but the Lawnmower Man in a collector's edition. No, this movie see, this, was never requested. <laughs> see, this is what I don't understand about Screen Factory. They, their collector's editions are kind of far in between now. They don't really do as many. But the films that they are choosing to do collector's editions for, which I understand is based on their features and things like that. But I haven't looked at the features on this one. But like why the Teen Lawnmower Wolf Man? Two? And and why the yeah, hell is Teen Wolf Two getting a collector's edition. I, I could definitely see Teen Wolf One, but yeah, but Teen Wolf Two. I watched that movie a couple years ago because I do own the double pack that MGM put out. Man, Teen Wolf 2 is boring as fuck. It's just a, such a huge step down. Yeah, it's a bad film. Um, but, you know, those Teen Wolf films, I always thought that that would have made a good double feature. Mm-hmm. Not separate collector's editions. And this is my point. Screen Factory is always kind of... They've been very odd with their choices for collector's editions these days. And this is another choice. Lawnmower Man. I could just see this one getting a general Blu-ray release. You know, from Screen Factory, but Collector's Edition? You got to commission new artwork for the Lawnmower Man? <laughs> what? I, I'm, I'm fucking lost. It, it makes no sense to me. Um, next up here, we got Life. Uh, I've heard really good things about Life. No, no it's shitty. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to like it. It looked fun when I seen it. Not a movie. fan. Not I've a heard fan. more people say that they liked Life than they didn't. So, why? So. So, I, I don't know. It, it, I thought it looked kind of interesting. I, I definitely want to give it a shot. Is it better oh. than Alien Covenant? You have to think about this? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, well, it's got my boy Ryan Reynolds in it, man. Vancouver for Boys. For so. about uh, 40 on. seconds. Stop He's only in it for 40 seconds. Van Wilder's only in it for 40 seconds. <laughs> that's a shame. That's 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 a miss hit. No, longer than that, but not long. That's a fucking foul ball. That's crazy. Um, next up here from Scream Factory, we've got actually one that I've been really looking forward to. I thought this was pretty cool. I've never seen this film, actually. And it's uh, Island of Terror in color. <laughs> it's in color, man. It's in color. These are the type of releases I like to see. Um, things that I just very obscure. 
looks pretty cool. Um, this one I'm not really 100% sure on. Uh, it's called a Mids- Midsummer's Night Dream. This cover is uh, such dog shit. I can't believe it's Aquino. I thought it was like one of those labels <laughs> where you click on it and it's like 1-800-CD collector or something on Amazon as the studio. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's a long film, man. It runs about 145 minutes. But yeah, then like part- 45. Have you minutes. seen it? No, I haven't. I just I just oh. saw the runtime on. It. I was like 145 minutes. So it's a long motherfucker released by Kino. So you know the transfer is going to be good on this shit. But yeah, that cover, man. Whew, that's Jeez. something else. Mm-hmm. Don't really know much about it. So if you know something about it, drop us a line. You know, and obviously, I mean, th- this release, man. When this for th- when this one first got announced, I literally like fell off my sofa. I was like, you got to be kidding me, because it's kind of in the I would say a little bit darker days of Screen Factory. They're releasing a lot of stuff people were bitching about. And then they fucking dropped the ball on this one. Dropped the bomb. Not the ball. The Paul Nashie collection. Amazing. That's an amazing release. Yeah, I just seen uh, my first Paul Nashie film ever. Yeah, with In- Inquisition, right? Mm-hmm. That's cool, man. So, I mean, if you're looking, if you're kind of on the fence about getting this one, on Amazon.com, it's going for $46.78. Jump on that shit, people. That is a good damn price for the films that you're getting. Considering some of these, there's five films. Okay, and so a couple under ten bucks a film. It's a good deal. So what you get in here, you get Vengeance of the Zombies, Horizons from the Tomb, Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll, which is I'm so excited for that Giallo, um, Night of the Werewolf, and Human Beasts. I think Human Beasts hasn't had a release before. Uh, Vengeance of the Zombies and Night of the Werewolf. Um, recently got released in like a double feature Blu-ray, but uh, it's pretty cool, man. Uh, you can't go wrong. I mean, this is kind of the year of Paul Nashi, in my opinion. So many Paul Nashi films are getting released that people have been heavily bootlegging throughout the years. So jump on that price, people. $46 for a five-film collection. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, compared to the Larry Fessenden collection, what, what, how much was that shit when it first came out? $65, $70, something like that? I got it for 27 This one's a fucking steal. I mean, all the collections have been expensive. I think the... Um, the human centipede one was a little bit more and i don't know mm-hmm. gotta go with the paul nashi collection uh i know me and jp have seen this one and uh alice lowen prevenge uk it's a uk release uk release yeah gotta it's, maybe it's, all it's on this page maybe they yeah. have it maybe it's an all region release. I, some of these releases actually are all region they just don't tell you <laughs> it's random, so I, I usually when I get them and I just try them out, and then you know, they play, they play, they don't, they don't. An all region release, I think I read that somewhere. Yeah, whatever happened to Baby Jane? I just got that one, and well, I actually ordered the region one. They sent me the region two. I don't know why, but um, I just looking on the back, looking for the you know the region doesn't say popped it in play. Prevention like, is awesome, by the way. Check it out if you haven't. I was a little bit underwhelmed with it. I, I liked it. I was. I, I don't know it. something. Some of the, I'm surprised you liked it as much as you did. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, the dark comedy and stuff is always fun, but I actually, like, honestly, dude, I legitimately felt bad for one dude in this film, man. I was like, that guy didn't deserve to die. <laughs> I don't really say that in films very often. I was like, yeah. damn, that's fucking crazy. Um, but yeah, no, a lot of people, more, more people have been liking it than not. So, uh, next up here from, I believe this is Scorpion that's releasing the Scorpion's releasing 10 Little Indians. Yeah, or you could just Agatha watch Chris. Howling Five, <laughs> or or no, you could probably skip Howling Five and watch this one, which is better. <laughs> so, but yeah, Ten Little Indians. Everyone knows the story. I uh, love Agatha Christie, man. Yeah, she's fucking the new, awesome. The new version of Murder on the Orient Express looks fucking awesome, dude. It looks so good. Can't wait to see that shit. <laughs> it does. Uh, it looks fucking awesome. 
Sweet. Uh, next year from MTI, we have a film called Death Pool. What that covers shit. Yep. 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 It's it, oh, and look, look who's on the cover. Look whose name's on the cover. Oh no, no, no. Sean no, no. C. Phillips <laughs> Don't buy as a to- as a top biller. So maybe he is, he's in the film for more than thirty-five seconds. He is on the top. He is the president of the Hall of Fuckers. He is the president <laughs> of the Hall of Fuckers, mm-hmm. and he hasn't even said anything bad. But totally just based on jealousy. That's that's the only reason why he's the president. Why right? the fuck is he on the cover? I bet you he's literally in the movie for about eight seconds. I'm about <laughs> to be an actor. If he can do it, I think I can do it. Yeah. No. By the way, this he, give you he's definitely way better than I would be. <laughs> It'll give you the stereotypical Mexican roles. Why the hell would you want that? I don't know. I don't look Mexican, so it would be like oh, that's John Leguizamo or whatever. He's from Chicago, actually. No, no, the, the other Mexicans from Chicago. Uh, uh, guy from the Chips reboot. Pena. What's his first name? I have no idea. No idea. Next. Next up, we got Don't Knock Twice. Uh, which I thought was pretty decent. I, it was okay. It had flaws, but I, I really like the atmosphere of this film. Plus, it's a don't film, so mm-hmm. kind of like films that start with don't. I just have this weird obsession. Night Terror. I'm, I'm fucking strange like that. And this must be a re-release for Night Terrors. Uh, this is coming out from Bayview, yeah, because the original release is done by Camp Motion or something like that. Mm-hmm. They even released this movie on. VHS also you can get it from Cat Motion. So this must be a re-release of Night Terrors as an anthology film. So give it a shot. And that is going to do it for what I have for the releases for the 20th release of the week. Yeah. Fucking obviously a midnight, <laughs> midsummer night dream. Best cover art of the week. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the Paul Nashie collection, man, we got to go with because that shit is absolutely amazing. I'm still not 100% on the on the cover or the the commission artwork for it though. I really don't like favorite. the art that looks too cartoony. Yeah, that one's not really my favorite, I got to say. It it you know, it looks very similar to Lawnmower Man, doesn't it? Same artist? Has to be. Same color schemes. I like Pretty the sure color it. schemes. I'm down with the color schemes. I just don't like the eh, I don't know. The one thing I do like about the Paul the the new artwork is that it's not so busy. They didn't but, try to but, incorporate all five films and like get it so busy where you're going googly eyed looking at it. And yeah, shit. they did go a little basic on that one, which is good for a change. You know what though, man? Like, I I don't like the artwork for the bird with the crystal plumage. Really, dude? I I hate I like. There's I'm Arrow's artworks. I don't I don't vibe with them very much, man. Like to me, it's just, it's I, I don't know what it is. It's like it's like too artsy or something. It's just I don't like their style. Um, again, those ones look very cartoony as well. I don't know. I kind of like this one actually. It's it it's a little bit busy, but at the same time, it's not. You know, if you just kind of really look at it, but. Um, I, I mean, for the most part, the general releases and stuff, I will turn the artwork around. Like, I just got the Evil Ed in. First thing I did was turn it around to the other artworks. I actually don't like the Evil Ed commission artwork. I gotta do kinda a DVD ugly. update. It's kind of ugly, so... Um, but yeah, you had to buy one thing from this week. Paul Nashie collection, you can't go wrong that's that price. Really that's, yeah. that's amazing. The price is right. This is, this is a Bob Barker, motherfucker. Price so. is right, bitch. <laughs> price is wrong, bitch. Yeah, no, it's good. Paul Nashie, 
that's going to do it for the DVD and Blu-ray releases for June 20th, 2017. Now, next, here in Mood Swings, we are debuting a brand new segment. And it is called Box Office Brawl. Now, do you motherfuckers want to explain to the people at home what the box office brawl is all about? Considering I didn't come up with this. <laughs> so. All right. So this this kind of happened organically. And basically, me and Jeremy has been talking about, you know, it started back with um, It Comes at Night. And then we actually made it like official, like a bet with this week's releases. <laughs> it's official. Um, and then we decided, hey, why don't we uh, do this on the show? But basically what it is is, one we're going to kind of update you guys on what's going on in the box office with horror, but also we're going to make it fun and have a little competition as well. So how it works is anytime there's a horror film or something that we feel like we might want to, uh, you know, bet on or, or cover, even if it's like a little loosely outside of the horror genre, we'll kind of talk about that as well. But so last week, uh, and this, this, this is funny that we were doing this for fun before we knew we were going to do it on the show. But Jeremy was talking about the releases and um, All Eyes on Me, which is the Tupac um, biography movie, uh, was released and 47 meters down. And Jeremy gave both of his predictions on what he thought they'd make. I gave my predictions and then um, I bet him a dollar on each one. So basically, we're going to do this going forward. We're going to bet a dollar per film and we're going to just say if, you know, I right now I got both of mine right plus plus two. I'm plus two right now. Whenever we get to like plus 20, you can cash out if you want. Uh, so, Jeremy. All right. So this week's whoa, whoa, releases. Whoa, 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 whoa. So huh. what, what did you predict for All Eyes on Me? Even though that's, that's what I was going to get at if you let me fucking <laughs> say my shit, you fucking bitch. Okay. Let me fucking well, you said, say. Uh, you said this week. This week. This was last yeah, week. That's... That was last week. It doesn't matter because there's nothing this week anyway besides Michael Bay's <laughs> fucking fighting robots blow shit up movie. So it doesn't matter. So okay. fine. Last week. Sorry. Last week's releases, we had All Eyes on Me, like JP said, and 47 meters down. So I thought All Eyes on Me was going to underperform basically because of the fact that the film was getting slammed by critics and I didn't really think that people were going to fly out to the theaters to see it. Now, give it that it is Tupac and that it has a lot of people. He has a lot of fans that, and the uh, Straight Outta Compton did really well that maybe the film would have uh, overperformed more than what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to make $20 million and not a cent more. I didn't really think that it was going to make... Is this based on the whole weekend or just opening night? Uh, it's this Thursday, is Friday, Friday Saturday, Saturday, and Sunday. Sunday. So the opening week, okay. Yeah. I really didn't think it was going to make more than $20 million. And JP's response was that he thought that because of the fact of minorities, <laughs> you never... You never count all minorities with these kind of movies. This is what JP said. It's not my race. quote. That's a quote. Not my racist self, like I usually am. But JP says. (laughs) JP said that minorities are never count out minorities, and he thought that it was going to make between twenty four and twenty six, twenty five million. Well, let's just say twenty five million. JP said it was going to make. So we were five million off. 
So I've been made between 20 and 22 I won, and I've been made between 23 and 25 JP won. Anything below or over that wins as well. And the film ended up making $26,435,000. So JP wins that one plus because one. of the minorities. So because plus one for JP. <laughs> no, in all, in all honesty, <laughs> I was being funny in that text. You know what I mean? But realistically, I know Tupac has a huge following. Jeremy, this was a, this was a classic case of like, oh, dude, I'm definitely going against him on this one because I feel like he doesn't know anything about the fandom uh, that surrounds Tupac, right? Yeah, I would have taken that logic into this one too, and I would have went right with JP. Yeah, yeah. So I, I well, kind of really baited Jeremy off, on though. that one a bit. We weren't that much off. We though. weren't. We weren't. But 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 you know. So I would. I win that one plus one for me. And basically what it is guys is it's the closest. It's not the closest without out going over. It's just whoever is technically the closest to the, the correct amount wins the point wins the plus. Yeah. So plus a dollar for me. And then the second film was what Jeremy next up. We have the first mainstream release from entertainment. What's entertainment studios, really original name fellas, uh, entertainment <laughs> studios. <laughs> This is the first. <laughs> that is so fucking true, dude. That this is the is, worst name ever. This is the first mainstream release from these people, and it is 47 meters down. Now, with this film, I definitely thought that it was going to underperform, basically because of the fact that this is a film that was released on DVD in January, I think, or in the beginning of the year. You could pick this up at Target, mainly at Target, and then uh, Dimension, who had the rights at the time, recalled the film because of The Shallows did it so well. And they decided that they were going to re-release this in theaters as a mainstream wide release film, which is interesting. And you could still get the DVD if you want. You know, you're know, you going to pay a little bit more for it. Now that the hype is up, I bet you it's probably going for more than what it deserves to go for. But... They decided to repackage this movie and release it mainstream. And this one has a theater count of 2,270 and All Eyes on Me had 2,400. So not too big of a difference. I'm surprised that All Eyes on Me made $26 million with 2,400 theaters. That's pretty good. But uh, 47 Meters Down came in at... 11,205,000. Now, I thought the film was only going to make 4.5 million, which is kind of crazy, but I really didn't think people were going to fly out to see this one. It didn't really have that much marketing besides like standees and things like that at theaters. It didn't really have a media campaign for the film, so I really didn't think that many people knew about it. But the amazing people at Entertainment Studios was surprised that the film made this much money. They had a projective total of $10 million and it overachieved that. So I was really surprised. I guess the teeny boppers wanted to see some shark films again. And The Shallows did really, really well, so I'm not going to knock that uh, because of I'm not going to knock the film because of The Shallows, but I heard it's a bad movie. I haven't heard that many good things about it. Well, this it is actually start... made uh, Dave's top ten list last year. Yeah, is this going to start? Well, forty-seven. You th- you heard it was a bad one. Yeah, I heard it was bad. I've heard from a lot of people it's pretty good. Yeah, me too. So is this going to rejuvenize the shark genre? Who knows? But I was no, way off. Sharknado Five. That's going like to rejuvenate I said, it. Like Maybe I in said, theatrical releases. Like I said, 
maybe. I thought it was going to make four and a half million, which I still think was a good guess. But JP thought it was going to make twelve million. Jesus He's Christ! Clearly the closest to that one. So I'll give what? another dollar to JP. So that's two out of two for JP. I feel left out now. I wish I had been able to. So, uh, so how much make a did prediction it make? on these films? It made eleven million two hundred five thousand. So I literally like was like eight hundred thousand off. Seven hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah. Damn. You were, that was a that was a good that was a good prediction. Yeah, so, I, so was I'm plus I was I was really now. really surprised. I think I think the deal should be if you're within a million dollars, you should get an extra dollar out of that shit. That's pretty <laughs> no. impressive. So uh, how it, how it's gonna work though is we're now that we have money in the system, I'm betting my own dollars, right? So like. If I put a dollar up and me and Jeremy make a bet, if he wins, that dollar is not plus two anymore. It's not, I'm down to plus, plus one, one and he's plus one. You know what I mean? And I might just add this onto it. We'll get to it in a second. It Comes at Night came in at $2,601,468 from 2,450 theaters for an average of $1,000 per theater. So but let we'll me get ask into you this, that, Jeremy. Or, or should it be like I'm plus two, and then it's a race to plus twenty? Or should it be? How do you want to do it? Or I think the be first way is better. Okay. okay, first way is better. So we're actually betting money at this point. Um, moods. If I don't want to take a bet, feel free to step in and and you know take it against me or Jeremy or whatever. But what do we got? What do we got next? Is that the only right. way that I can get in on this? Is yeah, that one of you guys have to back out? I mean, it, or, or I can make if predictions. Jeremy wants to bet both of us at the same time. No, dude. You know, or I want to. Or I'll take a bet against you or whatever. But um, yeah, I guess we'll just throw the bets out and see who takes them. All right. So <clears throat> the next horror film that comes out is on July. 14th. So this is the next round of films that come out horror wise. Like I said, uh, this week we have the reason we're doing it so early is because we're actually not going to be recording another show before then, except for the 86 show, which Jeremy won't be on and we wouldn't have time to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I said, this week we just have that stupid fighting robot movie, whatever fucking Michael Bay dumbass. And then we have baby driver the next week after that. Not really horror. So we have to go all the way down to July 14th for the next horror film. And this time we have – we're going to do the two films that come out that week. And that is Wish Upon and War for the Planet of the Apes. So now what is it? What else is coming out just so I know what it's going against because that does matter? That's it. Okay. So that's pretty good then. Those are the two – wide releases for that week but it also has to go against spider-man homecoming which come out the week before okay. so you have to faction that yeah, that's that... definitely a factor faction yeah. okay fuck you all right so <laughs> how many theaters are both these films getting released in let's see let me do a little bit of jew trickery here so it doesn't <laughs> It doesn't say at this time. It just says wide release. So if I was going to say it, I would say War of the Planet of the Apes. Easily, it's probably going to hit 4,000 plus. Mm-hmm. Wish Upon, 3,000 for sure. Maybe a little bit more than 3,000. But I think War of the Planet of the Apes is definitely going to have the 4,000 plus advantage on this one. All right. So do you want to make a prediction for War 
first, so it's fair, and then I'll make one on the other film first. Okay. So, War of the Planet of the Apes. So this is a film that is just getting uh, reviews in from around the interwebs. Uh, Fox has been actually showing this movie already, and it doesn't come out for another month. So I think it's interesting that Fox wants to get the hype train up on this movie so early, you know, a month, and people are already talking about it. And from what the reviews is, this is the best one out of the three, which is really, really interesting because of the fact that the first two are really, really good. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is a really fucking awesome film. It's really dark and gritty. It goes back to the... Uh, it has a feeling of the fourth film from the original uh, five films. It has that kind of uh, dark and gritty feel to it. And that movie went on to make fucking $208 million in the U.S., and um, everybody is saying Matt Reeves is going to be the new hot director because he has another hit on his hands with this film. Now, the last movie, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, came in at an opening of $72.6 million. So that's a pretty high number, and it opened up in 3,900 theaters. So I'm going to say around that is probably what this one's going to open at. Now, I think this movie is going to end up opening higher than that. Yes, it has to compete with Spider-Man, and I think that's going to hurt it. But I think it is going to come in just a tiny bit higher because of the fact that uh, people seem to be into this franchise. Now, the first film only made $54 million, but the second film, which came out on the same weekend three years ago, made $72 million. So I think this one's going to come in around there. Uh, I'm going to come in with $75 million for this one. Uh, cool. I, wouldn't be, okay. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if it comes in below 70 but not much more below 70 but i think it's going to do better than dawn uh i think people are really really uh infested into the story now and i think that once the more buzz starts to be talked about about this one and more people start talking about it i think it's actually going to do pretty well so i'm going to come in with 75 million that that's a that's a bold prediction for that one um i'm gonna go i'm really factoring in spider-man here I don't know what Dawn went against when it came out, but it probably wasn't Spider-Man. I can tell uh, I you. think that that will probably... Uh, came, yeah, it, it didn't go against much. When a, yeah, it didn't go against I, I know that Spider-Man isn't coming out the same week, but usually any superhero movie has a lot of carryover. We see it with Wonder Woman right now. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to... I'm. I, I was actually going to go even lower, but strategically, since Jeremy said, uh, what, 75? Yeah. I'm going to even bump up my rate, mine a little bit more to try to you know, make it a little bit closer of a battle. I'm going to go 60, but I was even going to go lower than that. So, mm. um, Jeremy kind of... I don't think it's going to make... Bit. I don't think it's going to make that much more than Rise. To be, I don't think. I think you're wrong on that one. I think that's a little bit low. Yeah? Okay, we'll yeah. see. So, I, I'm going 60... Um, <clears throat> moods. Do, do you have an opinion? I'm probably, if I was a betting man, I think I would probably go a little more with Jeremy on this one. I think I'd be a little bit higher. So I'll take a bet against you too, if you want. Because I actually like his argument a lot about how people are invested into the series. Uh, these films are doing really, really well, and I think I think it's just you know Spider Man already being out for a week. I think that'll give enough time for people to go fuck Spider-Man again, mm-hmm. you know, and I think this one is just going to get, it's going to get everyone in there. I think it's going to do really, really well. Okay. So I will, I will take your, wh- where are you coming in at moods? Um, Jeremy, you're at 75. 
75. It doesn't if Jeremy's not taking your bet so it doesn't matter where where he's at in terms I of, would probably come in, you know, I mean, you can take the same 60, you can take the same spot if you want. That's pretty much right. I, I think that I think that's actually a good one. Okay, I'll 75. take I'll take 75. both of those bets and I said 60, so whoever's closest. Okay. All right, and the second film is Wish Upon, correct? Correct. All right, so I'm. I don't. It really does hurt me that there are not, and the amount of theaters that it's in. So um, I guess I'm gonna go contingent upon what Jeremy said. I guess, which is, uh, I guess not contingent, but I'm just gonna base it on what Jeremy said around three thousand or so. Uh, I'm thinking that when you have a film like War of the Planet of the Apes coming out, Spider-Man the week before, I feel like this film is really opening in a bad spot. It's kind of opening similarly to what 47 Meters Down is doing right now. But the only difference is I think that 47 Meters Down is a little bit more appealing as a summer movie. So I'm going to say it's going to be lower than that i'm not gonna go way lower because even the bye bye man i believe made like 11 or 12 million opening night so or opening weekend uh so i feel like this is gonna be in that territory a little bit so i'm gonna go with 11 million on this one i think it's a little high but i feel like these films are still making money and I think, I it's do hard. think this is a, a, a film that is this rated R or PG, Jeremy? It's PG thirteen. Okay, that's good because I feel like this is the a type of film that that'll pretty much perform like the Bye Bye Man did on the first weekend and then drop off significantly afterwards. And you know, I think it'll even per- perform much more well than it comes at night. And I, I think that it's I think it's around that territory of eleven to twelve million. I'll go eleven on this one. I think having a PG-13 rating is definitely helping out the cause on this one big time. Yeah. But not knowing how many theaters it's in is is a little suspect. It is. It is. That's a little tough because to go 11, 12, how many theaters was Bye Bye Man in? It was in, I was going to talk about this, but it was in uh, 2,200. 2,200. So pretty, pretty average, I guess. Um, So even if it gets around the same amount of theaters and it's not 3000 and it's actually 22 or so i still think it has a good chance of of doing what the bye bye man did um which was what did the bye bye man do it did uh, it did third at opening week it did 13.5 that's really good considering Mm. considering i mean it had a terrible drop off afterwards but Mm -hmm. 13 for that movie like knowing what you know about it now, don't you think that's exceeded expectations? Um, I'm not going to say anything until we get so to my. Okay, well, so give it's me your a turn, quick little plot. Give me a quick little plot synopsis of this one. Which, no, what is I've seen the trailer for it too. It looks horrible. Bro. I think it looks kind of interesting. I'll go see. Nah, because I'm. I, I I won't lie. Like I'm clueless to this film. It right says now. Jonathan gives his 17 year old daughter box, Claire. Dude. Jonathan gives his 17-year-old daughter, Claire, an old music box that promises to grant its owner seven wishes. Skeptical at first, Claire becomes seduced by its dark powers when her life starts to radically improve with each wish. Everything seems perfect until it's she realizes... It's a be careful what you wish for. There's all you need. Yeah, yeah. It's a monkey's paw. It's like... I was just going to say, it's yeah. the monkey's paw story. Yeah, it's, yeah, and it looks all right. It looks like any other of those stories. And I, t- I typically like those stories, so... I'm, well, if it's I'm better than the, the monkey's paw film that was released by screen factory then 
this might it looks be better too than that. Bad. So, um, <laughs> Jeremy, where what are you thinking going into this? All right, so going into this, I'm just thinking about uh, prior PG-13 horror films from the past, let's say 10 years. I know they boomed in 2007 or so, but I'm just looking at the numbers overall. So the Bye Bye Man made $13.5 million in, when did it come out? January. And in that week, it went against, uh, I think, what did it go against? It went around Monster Trucks, which was a big kitty movie, and Sleepless, which I think was a Johnny, Fo- a Jamie Foxx movie. So it didn't really have too much competition, but um, it still made thirteen million, thirteen point five million on opening weekend from twenty two hundred theaters. So you know that's pretty good. But then I think about something like a film that came out uh 2012 the woman in black and that film opened up in 2800 theaters and it made 20 million and that film had daniel radcliffe behind it and that movie <laughs> radcliffe. did he did you say wadcliffe radcliffe radcliffe <laughs> oh boy uh, right. <laughs> so that fuck you you hall of fucker fucker asterisk boy so that film had him in it and that film, <laughs> way to ruin a good segment. Fuck you. I was uh, fucked. And that film made $20 million. So uh, that's another PG-13. Drag Me to Hell, another movie that was only in 2,500 theaters, made $15 million. Last Exorcism, $20 million in 2,800 theaters. So this one, I'm just going to mostly compare it to The Bye Bye Man. Uh, $13.5 million, 2,200 theaters. This one's going against Planet of the Apes as well as um spider-man so i really think that spider-man is gonna carry away a lot of people from this one and i think once the reviews start piling in this one's gonna get destroyed i think it's just gonna get destroyed uh based on watching it and broad green pictures who is distributing it they haven't had a good track record I mean, their best film that they've released is bad santa 2 and that movie only made 17 million dollars so it's not really saying that much and <clears throat> they haven't had that good of track record of releasing quality films. So I really think this one isn't going to do that well. I'm going to come in at 8.5 million on this one. That that's still pretty pretty decent. Yeah, I was actually thinking a lot lower on this one just given the fact that you took my Spider-Man argument too because I think the Spider-Man, you know, even being in the theater second week, um it probably still going to probably gank some of those uh those kids from watching this one i would probably be coming in a little bit lower at like six million um just given the fact that like i'm oblivious to this film this is crazy like i i can't imagine other people knowing see, a whole i don't lot. think i don't see it doing as bad as it comes at night and that was like the same amount of theaters and that had a good but it was buzz also behind an it. r mm-hmm but it made 6.5 million and it was an R. So I think this one's actually probably going to do well because PG 13 typically do well because more people go and see it. So I think 8.5 is a good guess. So is, yeah, is it, anybody taking, are you, what did you say moods? I said about six. It, it, it's it's really, a, well. it's really a toss up here though, man. That's we do got well. Spider-Man in there. Spider-Man is even in the second week, I think is going to, I think it's going to take I, I, a I lot mean, of fans Jeremy, away. Are, do you want to take, take a lot of fans away? I'll take another one. Six million. I think it's going to be low. Like, man, man, I, that's I, low, bro. For twenty-two hundred theaters, that's what 
six million divided by twenty two hundred. Well, do we? We, we no don't Spider-Man know that either, theater? though. That we don't know that it's twenty two hundred theaters. Yeah, I mean, if there was let no me see if I can find it. Let me see if I can find. I mean, just with the popularity of Marvel films and stuff, and of course, people are probably going to be curious still even after a week to check out this new Spider-Man film. Mm-hmm. I, it's a tough one, man. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna pull people out of that, out of that theater, man. So, I, yeah, that's too bad. That's too bad for the film, really. Mm, six million. Yeah, I'll take your bet. I don't think it's gonna make that low. Six million is way too low. I mean, eight's not too far off. I mean, it's a couple million, but we'll see. I really wish we had the numbers on the theaters though, because that makes a big difference. Listen, this if it's, like, if it's it, under two thousand. I think we need to reevaluate the bets because that's yeah. That's, I mean, if it's playing in eighteen hundred or seventeen hundred theaters, man, that's working against us big time. Yeah, I still think it could make that in seventeen or eighteen hundred. Yeah, it's putting a lot of praise in there. Spider Man's. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Interesting. So those are the two films for this week me and moods agree with uh, war for the planet of the apes coming in at around 75 million jp says 10 million for wish upon and i say eight and a half million and moods comes in at six million so let me know what you guys think about this new segment leave your comments down below what your guess is what you think i think it's fun what do you think this these two films are gonna make i'll be curious to see what you guys think and as always, fuck you, Jerry. Let's go. Yeah, there's a lot of variables involved here. You know, the theaters, the film it's playing against, you know, the quality of film, what time of year it is, you know, block. But it, there's just a lot of things you got to factor in. This is pretty cool. Yeah, I yeah. Really I, I think that this could be a regular cool segment. And there's not a ton mm. of films that come out that, that we could cover in this conversation. So it is, you know one of those things where it's like uh it'll come it will do this from time to time but i think it'll be fun when we do it and i mean i have two bets going three bets going for this one and jeremy has three bets moods has two bets so um that there's can definitely be some money change and i'm i'm just saying right now somebody's going to be buying me a vestron because <laughs> <after laughs> i'm gonna win all these bitches you say so <laughs> well i'm plus two right well, now so Never know. Those minorities, man. Those minorities <laughs> saved you. <laughs> All right. So that wraps that segment up. That was fun. All right. So I guess we probably should just tell people we're having a little bit of issues with um with our voicemail. <laughs> so yep. I don't think we're a hundred percent able to, you know, do the voicemails this week. Something's glitching. Something's glitching. They're not showing up properly and stuff, so we don't know what we have and it's showing like older ones and things, so I think we're just going to have to bypass the voicemails and emails this week. And we'll jump right into the knowledge segment, which uh, is going to be about the film It Comes at Night. And I know you guys have some heavy opinions on this one. So what did you guys want to talk about? Because I I feel like I can't really jump in too, too much on this one. I haven't seen the film yet. uh All right. Fuck all the people. No, no, no. Hold on. Let me go first. Come on. Come on. All right. All right. This this is really my battle that I, you know, that I feel very passionately about. Um, So... Basically, I seen It Comes at Night back-to-back with The Mummy. Um, so I went and seen both of these movies. I seen them back-to-back. Uh, and after I watched It Comes at Night, I was absolutely blown away. Like, you know, without going into the review on the film, it is a definite contender for my number one spot. 
of the year. I loved it. And I went and seen it with Carly. She loved it. We were, I think the only two, I think there was two other people in the theater. Um, it was a movie that just grabbed a hold of me and it was very intense. It was very, very, very well done. And I expected everybody to be, you know, on the same page as me uh, after I seen it. I didn't even expect to see, uh, you know, that many negative reviews if, you know, or even mediocre reviews. Like, and I was very surprised when all of a sudden I just seen this crazy swarm of hate. People saying this is the worst film I've seen all year. This is the mm-hmm. worst movie, you know, that, that's been in the theater. Like, I can't believe this got released. And a lot of people were complaining about the marketing, the marketing, the marketing. Like, it's, I was like, who the fuck cares about the marketing? These people out there are the same people that were watching Get Out saying that it's the most incredible movie. Uh, it's that, you know, the the same people that are saying that get out is so much symbolism and so much um you know metaphorical stuff and it doesn't spoon feed and and all these things and i'm like i'm like what the fuck happened to those people where where are they at during this because i feel like those people are sheep too even though get out does have all those things going for it i feel like nobody was forming these opinions for themselves other people were just telling them that that's what get out was and then they decided to roll with it and nobody was saying anything about it comes at night so none of these people were saying it about it comes at night and there are tons of people who i respect that find it just like seven out of ten and i'm okay with that i do feel like these people missed a lot to do with the film that i saw and i think it is one of those movies where um, there's a lot more going on than people want to think or believe. And I've heard people say, you're looking into it you're too much. You're looking into it too much. First of all, I hate that fucking argument. What does that even mean? I'm looking into it too much. It, I, I see something in the film and you think that that isn't what I'm seeing. No, that's, that's not a real, like, you know, I don't, I don't like that that statement too much you know what i mean like i understand it applies sometimes but isn't the point of movies to to take what you see and form your own opinion about it to form your own sort of um there's there's an argument saying that even if the artist didn't intend for something to to be saw a certain way it's up to the viewer to to sort of mold the meaning of certain of certain things and and you know it's it's a debatable thing that was it and i but this film, sorry I'm all over the place, but this film, I think that I 100% got what the guy was trying to uh, convey. 100%. I think if I talked to him right now, he'd be like, dude, I literally made this movie for you because you got everything that I was laying down. Because I think that everything that I see in this film is exactly intended to be the way that I see it. And this film spoke to me, like, so well. Like, I was with it 100%. And I'm not mad that people don't like the movie or are coming in at 7s or 5s or average. I just cannot believe that the people out there that are saying that this movie is, like, the worst movie they've ever seen or bullshit Is it one of those classic cases of another one of these films that's just misunderstood and people are giving it bad reviews because they don't understand no, but no, because the they content go into that's it. intended. Now these assholes think, oh, 
they saw the trailer and they thought they were going to get a fucking boogie boogie woogie woogie in the woods type of movie with uh, something Is in that a new subgenre? Yeah, woogie woogie boogie woogie. <laughs> Hidden in the woods, going to come to this house and fuck people up. That's what people okay, thought. Okay, okay, I understand the whole marketing thing. No, and no, I understand no, no, no. people, people get butt. But people get butthurt from marketing. Yeah, I understand that. But do you think dude, that dude, people dude, aren't on. legitimately that understanding thing. the content? Well, yeah, yes understand. and no. Yes and no. I didn't feel ripped off. I fucking go to the movies all the fucking time. I saw the trailers all the fucking time. Looked at the poster all the fucking time. All that shit. Never once did – and I saw this movie twice. Never once did I think that I felt ripped off that I got a film that I – that's totally okay. different than what was going on in the trailer. First of all, that's it's not different, that different, different than how it was marketed, right? It, it is a little <laughs> different than it was marketed. It's a different type of movie, a little bit. But that argument that the movie is bad because the marketing confused you is the most retarded fucking argument for why a movie is bad I've ever heard. You're telling me that the marketing, some guy who designed a trailer makes the movie bad that just does not register to me i don't see how that can be a valid criticism because what you're supposed to do is take the movie as the movie nothing else why are you thinking about what yeah criticize the actual content given that's the same as saying oh this guy reviewed it and said it was really good it's really good that's the same thing is is going into the movie being told that it's good you're saying you're being told it's something else and it wasn't that. So then now you're saying that the movie's bad. No, that's you, idiot. That's you. You have to change how you feel. Why, why, why do you have to be told how to feel about something? I don't get that. Go into the movie and let it tell you what's going on. I don't see... I, I, it's, it blew my mind that I was seeing so much complaints about the marketing. But I understand if you're saying that I felt like the movie wasn't my cup of tea... And that I was going for something else and I got this, the movie's not bad or I just didn't like it. That's fine. But when you're saying that the movie is bad because of the marketing, that is crazy. And another thing, dude, is I could not believe that this movie wasn't celebrated. We sit here all the time and we talk about, oh, if this movie would have gotten to the theaters, like how could it not have made money? Like this is the good independent horror that we're making that's making our top 10 lists every year these are those movies and why don't they get the push and then a film does get the push and this is this is a prime example of something that if it came out on vod or shutter or some very you know obscure way that only horror fans would find it this would be making everybody's top 10 this year but because it comes out and it's uh, it's you know in in a mainstream audience and gets panned by the mainstream. First of all, the critical reception was actually very well done, well, very really well good. received. If you look at crit, crit, which so surprises me that the critics are more right than the fans on this one. The audience scores is rotten. It's below, and I could not believe. No, no, no. It. It's a D. A D, not a D plus, a fucking D, and they gave rings a C plus. What the fuck is going on in people's fucking brains? Even if you just watch the movie and you don't like where it's going, the majority at least the cinematography (laughs) and the fucking character development is better than fucking rings that got a C plus and this gets a D. Shut the fuck up, people. So what is the majority uh, of the fan reviews saying? It's not okay, a so the people so in what, our so circle we're... is kind of at around a seven, seven point five, but the general audience, like the people in shockwaves and like the very 
uh, basic horror fan, they're all like bashing it to death, dude. Like saying that it's you know like the worst movie three ever. out of ten and stuff. You know what I mean? So. so is it going back to the classic case? I mean, are these the same people that are saying that the marketing was so bad that it affected their rating, or are people just not understanding this I film? Think it's is a it combination like, of both? Uh, the, on one hand, there are a ton of people who just it's a it's a it's a, it's a post apocalyptic survival film. It has nothing to do with monsters. This movie's post apocalyptic directly. Yeah. Well, so, I already gave I already gave it an eight now. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not the fact. People are going into it and saying that. It's a drama, but yeah, it's like Jason thinks clearly it's a drama. not a fucking drama. I've never I mean, seen a drama like I said, th- done like that. If it's a drama, I understand like I, that it does yeah. have like those more um, dramatic elements to it, but it is horror because one, like I said, one reason is there's a lot of dream sequences in this film, and I know that a lot Ooh. of people hate dream sequences, but these are dream sequences that actually matter. And I feel like most yeah. intelligent people that watch this movie and miss that are coming in at seven. But I saw this film and every single dream sequence either was foreshadowing or it was, uh, scary um, fucking, uh, what, what do you, what do you call it? Uh, fucking subconsciousness or it was not a dream sequence. It was a actual thing that happened that you think as a viewer is a dream sequence so that is my sort of you know brief opinions that people aren't paying attention enough i got that 100 percent when i was watching it there's actually very key moments where you specifically do not see a character wake up from a dream sequence that you know that it is actually a memory and not a dream sequence and um, there's there's and everything else that is dream sequences that that are dream sequences are either um, foreshadowing or subconscious thoughts, and that is important to the narrative of the film too. And the narrative itself is very very simple. It's a movie about bad luck. Everybody in this movie does exactly what they should do. They do exactly what is beneficial for their family, for their point of view. Yet. Things happen that they can't control. And it's an amazing movie. I was had such high anxiety, such high paranoia. Like, this movie almost killed me. I was like, oh my god. Like, you know, you're going to watch this movie and you're going to be like, oh, I know exactly how this is going to end. And you're probably right. But, the, but the, that's actually used for the craft of the movie in terms of that impending doom. That feeling that you know something bad is going to happen. And like I said, that I come... is crazy to me. And the character development, I'm with you, Jeremy. People that are saying that there's no character development, I'm like, what the fuck were you watching, bro? Mm-hmm. What are you watching? <laughs> I, I love the movie. but Like just I... the relationship between the two fathers. It's like how do you not see there's character development from the beginning of the film where they don't know each other in the middle of the film where they're sitting down having that drink and the end of the film. And, like, and, and that, mo- that moment you're talking arc. about, Jeremy, it's like it's fucking indic- ridiculous. That moment where you're s- talking about the drink. Like I went into a panic almost when, when that scene played out. Cause I knew I was like, no, 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 man. Like that, that just kills everything. You know what I mean? And I, I, I like both me and Carly were like squirming because we knew that this movie w- where it was going and like, just, just how intense it was. And everybody does the right thing. Like if you if you think that you're not, if you think that like oh they shouldn't a lot, like no 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 no, they're doing the right thing. They're doing mm-hmm. the right thing in the movie. And like That's I said, like people I like do it. Like um, I, 
I compare this film to like I said the battery. Like the battery yeah. has zombie. It's a zombie film. There's zombies going on, but mainly the film is about the. The two battery characters. is not a zombie film. I know. And how why do people see that as a horror film? I mean, just look at the scene when they're at the end when they're fucking sitting in the car. I mean, there's yeah. nothing going on besides them talking, and you feel the same kind of doom and gloom that you do in this movie. And that film's considered a horror film. Or like I said, The Black Coat's Daughter. That's one of my favorite movies of the last five years. And if that movie got a mainstream release, it would be getting bashed to shit. It would. Because it would. It would be the same thing, thing as this, Jeremy. The You're same absolutely thing. right. So and, is this another part of the argument right now? Is that you know? You think that's part of it? Correct. Is, the Black Coat's daughter is no so fucking different bad, than this movie. So between the bad marketing, people probably not understanding the uh, the content within the film, and the fact that this is actually a mainstream listen, release, dude, you think it's listen, getting listen, shit listen, on listen, because listen. of that no, too? Because no, I did no, no, the only comment I even read. The only comments I even read was was yeah, more mainstream bullshit. And no, I was no, like, dude, listen, listen. <clears throat> First of all, the mainstream has nothing to do with my beef right now. The no, no, no! I'm not was... talking about your beef. I'm talking about the general people posting and and leaving their comments and stuff. What are they saying? Are people saying this is just more mainstream no, bullshit? I'm no, not no, saying no. you. No, that's not what's happening at all. So, the thing is, the mainstream was never gonna love this movie. That's that's factual, and I'm okay with that. But this was a movie that horror fans should have got behind. They should have loved this movie, and that is where my disappointment comes from. The places where I live, the horror groups on Facebook, you know, YouTube, the places where I'm at and focus my time and energy, it was, it gutted me, dude. I was mad for like three days. Like, I couldn't even get on social media, man. I was pissed. Me and Carly were, were bitching up a storm at work because we're like, I cannot believe this is happening. Like, we were so excited after we seen it that we were like dude th- like this is going to be such a celebrated movie like everybody's going to love it it's going to be awesome and it's the horror fans that are so disappointing in this one because those are the people who are or are hating it and 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 the mainstream might have too but i can't imagine why the horror fans wouldn't have got behind this this is on the level of the battery that jeremy brought up like in terms of quality characters quality development low like a, a film that doesn't feel like it has a ton of money, but utilizes all of it extremely well. Like it's scary. It's, it's deep and it's like the battery. You know, I, I got the same feeling when I watched the battery, but this even more, I like this movie more than the battery mm. and to see people not only not get behind it, but actually bash it people in the circle. This should have been pushed, man. We should have carried this movie across, you know, a, a finish line of decent money because it had all those things going for it. And, and I think that a lot of the, the, the like big outlets, like, you know, the big horror news sites and stuff, I think they all liked it too. It's the general horror fan. Well, that was my question. That that was actually my question, JP. I was talking about the comments within our Facebook group page, uh, exploding heads, and the other group pages that you that you read and stuff. What were the comments that you were reading in there? It's, I wasn't. Myself, I was main, it was. Myself, I was talking about general comments. I was talking myself, about within because if it gutted you so much that I wanted to, because I honestly didn't really read through it. I just kind of saw your post. A lot and of I, I people really, didn't understand comments. it. Like the, myself, Mister Watson, JP. That's about it. Brand, and, Brandon and, and, liked it, but he and was, the horror balls. Me, me and we're Br- like the only four people that are like talking about what this movie is, and everybody else was shitting on it. And I just want to say, 
really quickly. If they would have released a Black Coat's daughter in the mainstream, they would have fucking marketed the it. The same thing would have happened. No, no, no. Now. They would have fucking pieced together a trailer where people were going to think that this was some kind of possession film uh, where this lady's going to go around and start fucking everybody up. And yeah. that doesn't happen in that movie. Nobody gets fucked up besides one fucking person, and it would have been the same shit. But everybody's it, it giving that movie a nine hard. and nine and a halves, and everybody's fucking sucking that film's balls and i am doing it because i fucking love that yeah, movie I too. Love it too but it, it would have been that same yeah. fucking shit if this film it comes at night so the marketing is like the biggest Black problem Co- here then no 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 the it's market not. hurting it's, the film it's it, hurting. It, it is hurting the film but it's not the biggest problem either because what it is is horror fans being sheep that's the problem it's not that People can't form their. It, it's it's not that it is that people can't form their own opinion for for a high percentage. Now there are people that I trust, like Jason Lloyd and stuff, who I feel like just didn't see the film like I did. I think he's missing a lot of the subtextual stuff. He's saying that no, 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 no. You're looking way too into it. That that's not what this movie is. It's more basic than that. But I'm arguing 100 percent, 100 percent. I am so sure. That, that I am right in this situation. Like, I've never been more convinced that I know exactly what's going on in this movie. Minus, there are some mysteries that are supposed to be mysteries. I do think the director has the answers. I think he doesn't want to tell you, maybe, or he might be coy about it, but I know that he does everything for a reason in this movie. It's done all systematically. And I could tell that it's that type of movie by the, the subtleties in this film. The, the way people say things, the way people enunciate certain words when they're either lying or, uh, you know, trying to hide the truth. There's there's all this stuff in this movie. and But t- to bring it back to what Moods was saying, it is a complete lack of people being people hearing enough good things at the beginning and coupled with the poor marketing and. Uh, that is real that really killed this film. If this movie got released like the Black Coat's daughter did, where it was like it leaked out in the festival and then it kind of got a little bit of a release and 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 you know a lot of the smart intelligent horror podcasters uh picked started talking about it well before everybody had access to it, it would have been on along the lines of the Black Coat's daughter. But People were seeing this movie, like even Brandon seen this movie and didn't fully get it. I know he didn't because I talked to him about it. And he even says that he thinks he needs to watch it again because he, he might have missed it. I don't get it things. and I've seen it twice. I, I get it 100%. <laughs> anyway, man, I, it's just, it saddened me so bad that this film. I just don't get perform. it, man. I, yeah, I was, don't get how people look I, at the movie and say it's not a motherfucking horror movie. How I really. I well, mean, just watch the sequence, the tracking shots down the hallways of this it's movie. It's shot like a horror film. And it's like... I've never seen shot, a drama shot like this. I don't, I don't get it. Man. Anyway, dude, I know that as soon as I started seeing this get bad and then continue to get bad and not get better, I knew I was going to be in for a long fucking year because I'm going to have to champion this film all year long and it's going to be frustrating. It's going to be annoying because as of right now, this is the best film that I've seen this year. And it... It hurts. It's not only the best film that I've seen this year, it's better than the films I've seen last year, it's better than the films I've seen in 2014, and it's better than the films I've seen in 2013. It is the best film that I've seen that we've reviewed, that we've, you know, while we've been doing this podcast, 
and I'm going to have to champion it so hard. And there's going to be people who see it after hearing my talk and my push and they're going to get it. And then there's people that are going to see it that are not going to get it. And it's, it's crazy to me to see that, that a film that when I was watching had no doubt in my mind that this was going to be a hit all of a sudden be just another movie that came out. And I, I can't, it's crazy to me, dude. Well, this see, is, I think this, you, I think you have a connection to this movie. Like I have a connection to black coat's daughter that like you're very passionate about the movie and you feel like what you believe is right. I feel like that with Black Coat's Daughter. What you just said about It Comes at Night is one of the best movies that you've reviewed on the show so far. I feel like that with Black Coat's Daughter. So I can understand where you're coming at, where you're so passionate about a movie. And you think that what you're saying is actually, you know, you have a lot of strong opinions about this. It's one, completely so. natural, though, if you feel like a, an emotional connection to a film. And you love it that much. Of course, you're going to defend the shit out of it. It's just the way we are. You know, in the four years that we've been doing this, I've never seen one of you guys react to, uh, you know, disappointing reviews to a film you love, let alone both of you. This is crazy. Like, I've never seen you guys so emotional over a film before. This is actually just fucking blowing my mind. It's generally like when I love a film, like I mean, I remember I was talking about um oh fuck I can't remember the film one time and someone's like oh that movie fucking sucked and I was just like okay <laughs> you know I mean I had like a, uh, oh it was a fucking piece of the talent I remember somebody left a comment on one of my videos one time and like oh that movie fucking sucked and I was like huh and it was kind of in the same thing you know it's a film that I really have a close connection with too and Moose uh, that film had it got released that it would have it would have performed like this as well because piece probably. of the talent is a fantastic movie but mm-hmm. the horror fans would not have got behind it because whatever reason, because they're sheep and they would have let it down. And this is why indie films that, that are intelligent do not do well, because when they get a chance, we don't fucking get behind them, man. And that pissed me off more than anything because, yeah, yeah. because the movie got great critical reviews. It did. That, that's crazy yeah. that it got great critical reviews. Yet all the horror fans revolted against it at once, and I, it, was, it was like crazy. And I do think that, that a is lot pretty of it interesting. Was with the marketing that as is- well, but it, it just it saddens me because like they the, they did fuck up. They really did fuck up with the. So marketing. what exactly? Let, let me ask you something for somebody that's pretty fucking green on this one. Um, what exactly was the? Was it marketed as? It, it a looked like sort of a supernatural, like, like scary movie about. Like something's coming out from the woods and yeah, coming it's, into it's this called house. It comes at night, and it, so it's people like were kind of thinking more or less like a creature feature type, maybe slasher yeah. type thing, or ghost, like the witch. Or people are thinking of it ghost. like the witch. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. honestly, um, like Watson kind of thinks that there is supernatural stuff going on in this film. I'm on the camp where I don't think that it, there is, but I do think that it's even if what I believe is true doesn't actually negate the fact that something supernatural could be happening, which I think is brilliant in the film because it makes it feel like there's so much more to it. When the fact that I can see the film exactly how I see it, yet something supernatural still could happen in the film and it wouldn't change anything that I believe. You know what I mean? If that makes sense mm-hmm, at all. Mm-hmm. So Watson kind of believes it. And, and Watson's pretty high on it too. Not as high as I am. But it's really me, Jeremy, Watson, and Tom 
uh, from Horrors Ball, that they, those are like it. That's it. Everybody else is like seven, seven point five at the highest. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to see this one. I, I really want to see how I interpret this film. And if I come in as high as you guys, I, it's pretty you, I think you hate you're going to get shit, it, dude. Gonna I think you're going to get it like I get it for the most mm-hmm. part. Yeah. But yeah, wait, this, is, this is sad to me that, you know, when a film like Gets, Get Out comes out, right? I feel like half the people that I talk to that love that movie in the general audience didn't even understand why it was good. It's an amazing movie. And they were just told how socially and culturally relevant it is and how it's a smart horror movie. And they wanted to feel like they were smart by championing it along. And I feel like that had a snowball effect. And that's why Get Out did so well. Then you have the same type of movie where everybody doesn't... No, not Let me take that back. It's not the same type of movie. But it is, it is an also well-done movie that has a non-spoon-fed plot that has, uh, you know, subtextual things going on in it that you have to actually use your brain to understand. So in regards to Get Out, those two things being the same, where it's an intelligent movie, and you don't have that kind of reaction at all. And I do think it's because people need to be told that it's smart before they see it in order to understand that it's smart and pretend that they get it. And I'm not talking about... If you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, right, I don't fucking do that, then I'm not talking about you, dude, okay? I know you're smart, too. I'm just saying that the the general audience, like, the, the fucking dumbasses that I were talking to in real life didn't get get out at all, and they just... They were sheep. They were sheep. All right. Anything else, Jeremy? Yeah, fuck you, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome all right so it comes at night uh, i can't really wait to watch that film i gotta say man yeah fuck Canada. it's gonna be yeah no, it's such bullshit go figure though it's fucking you know it's it's actually kind of interesting too <clears throat> i know i always have a dylan story but we were driving to calgary for Horcon uh last weekend and we were literally talking about um you guys you know jp's post on the on the facebook page and he's like yeah you know it's exactly like how you know, the whole battery situation. He's like, I don't understand why there's so much hate towards that film. And I was like, it's a, it's a classic case of people not fully understanding what the film's about. And I fucking shit you not. You can even ask him. I get a fucking, uh, uh, comment on one of my videos. It pops up on my phone in the middle of driving. I grabbed my phone and I was like, dude, check this out. And it was a comment from one of our old podcasts when, when we reviewed the battery. Yeah. And the comment said, this movie is super poopy. So first of all, so first of all, you know this guy's a fucking retard. He's calling it fucking poopy. Um, <clears throat> I probably shouldn't call our people or listeners retards, but it, it just sounded funny. But he he said this movie is really poopy. Nothing happens. There's no. Why Dave blah, said blah, is blah, retarded blah, blah, blah. for being called Dave said. <clears throat> and I was listener. like, and I was like, you know, it, this is a classic case of somebody missing the the whole point of this movie. The battery is not a fucking zombie film. It's about two guys in survival mode who really don't care for each other that are forced to work together to survive and it's their story it's kind of like an adult coming of age film and i'm just like why are people missing the point of this you know zombies just happen to be incorporated into this film so we kind of got talking about that and i was like i wonder if this conversation is going to be very similar and it seems like it is so i think people need to just kind of sit down and take films for what i i you know the battery is 
I don't know. Yeah, I think he even said the acting was super shitty and it was the, all boring, The acting you know? is spotty with the one character. I, I do agree with that. But mm. um, the acting is But I think the film in, this case, in that case is strong enough to even kind of overlook that a little it bit is. too. We gave it a 10. You know what I mean? I yes. just I, – the, <clears throat> the whole reason that this thing – it hurt on so many levels because one, I just loved the movie so much. It blew me away. It really did. It, it – I, I haven't had that kind of experience – and I don't know how long when watching a movie feeling that way. I literally couldn't sit still at times. And then on top of that, man, to see something that is actually intelligent, actually well done, uh, a film that should be loved, not be successful when it is giving the, given the opportunity to, it kind of sucks. And it's, it's partially to blame because of the marketing, but it's also partially to blame because horror fans suck sometimes. And, and it makes me think that other films are not going to get the opportunity. And all the time we always say like, man, if this would have just got a big push, it could be like one of the best horror films ever. You know, so many times our lists are populated by movies that don't even get theatrical releases. And that that's what our top tens are. These nowadays is they are films that didn't have theatrical releases and it sucks because what happens when they do is this and it makes it seem like we're in a a losing battle and it wasn't even the critics this time it was it was us it was us that made this movie fail in the marketing our fans are hard to please man hard to please but i think it does work against the system it works against the system though i mean in the long run i mean if movies are just going to get shit on and people aren't going to go to them we're essentially going to get no theatrical releases so it's unfortunate but yeah (sighs) That is knowledge. It comes at night. Uh, leave your comments down below. What do you guys think of the film? Do you agree, disagree, and all that other shenanigans? And that is going to conclude Mood Swings and this entire podcast. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. So the main focus point of this show is we'll be reviewing the Urban Legend films. Ugh. So what we're going to do right now, we're actually just going to briefly talk about urban legends in general. Yeah. You know, what they kind of mean to us, you know, personally and so on. So what are your guys' thoughts on urban legends? Yeah, urban legends, folklore. It's such an interesting thing because it's so ingrained in not only pop culture, but our lives. Like, you don't even notice sometimes about the stories that you've heard and, and the fact that there are so many urban legends and it almost brings you to wonder like, why are these stories? Because most of them <clears throat> are not true. Some of like them Steve are. from blues clues died from a cocaine overdose. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's multiple kinds of urban legends. There's that one that just is a rumor that snowballs. And then yeah. there are also ones that are, like the hook and you know ones that are based in fear and most of the time these are cautionary tales right uh two two young teenagers out at makeout point and they're you know getting all sexy and then uh, a killer escapes from a insane asylum and the girl's scared and uh the guy's being like forceful and you know then luckily they didn't have sex because if they did they would have got murdered because there was a hook on their car door right is that not a complete cautionary tale for uh sexuality with teenagers and that particular urban legend 
originated in around the 50s, which makes sense, right? It makes sense. Yeah. The, fi- yeah. the, 40, the 30s, 40s, or 50s, somewhere around there, that story's been told since then. And I think that the, the most of our urban legends are told either for cautionary purposes to warn you about something, uh, to warn you not to go out late at night, to warn you to check under your bed, to warn you to, uh, you know, not uh, stay up late. Like, you know, the, the, whatever. They're, they're created, they're fables created by typically somebody who is looking out for your best interest because you can't do it yourself. And then there's ones that are created um, sort of to control the fear, right? Told around a campfire, told at a sleepover, uh, Candyman, Bloody Mary, ones like that, which which are our natural fear of the dark are, uh, when, you, when you're talking about uh, Bloody Mary with the lights off, say in the mirror, you yeah. know, stuff like that. Biggie and Smalls. It, it gives us <laughs> it gives us a sense if we tell the story. It gives us a sense for us to control that fear because we're illustrating the fear, meaning that we can kind of confront it a little bit more. So I think that that is also in play when you talk about urban legends. And then there's just rumors that happen. Like I have when we get to our local urban legends, I have a few from my town. Uh, that are just just rumors and and it just created and 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 you know the tale gets bigger as time goes on um so what what do you guys think about urban legends i think urban legends are really really effective because it kind of brings out the darkness in the inner person i mean truly deep down inside of myself when i hear an urban legend and the thing i like about urban legend stories is that they 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 kind of change over time like some you know sometimes people kind of incorporate their own little details into them and they kind of evolve over times and things like mm-hmm. that i love that and it's showing people's kind of dark creativity because essentially for myself i'm not speaking for everybody but in a sense i almost want a lot of these urban legends to be true because I it's that total fear factor love if they were that true shit, you know that do shit you, is, would you really love them if they were true? Dude, yes, dude, dude. wouldn't you love to tell that fucking story? Wouldn't you just love to tell that story of like the girl and her boyfriend, you know, were making out and boyfriend went to go take a pee and like he literally got hung above the car? Like that shit's fucking crazy, dude. You know, there's so many urban <laughs> legends. I, I remember as a child, you know, and it was the total because I've grown up camping that. So I do that a lot. So you know, kind of growing up around a campfire, I heard a lot of stories, a ton of stories. And my, and my parents, my dad and my uncles and my family, they would try to scare the shit out of me and ultimately worked a lot. It did honestly work. You know, around the fire, I was acting tough and I wasn't that scared. But deep down, I was like, fuck, man. You know, like that shit's crazy scary. Like, and, you know, there was always a part of me that wanted those things to be true because I wanted to tell that true story to somebody else. I wanted to sh- give them the fear factor. You know, and that's what I love about urban legends. And there's so many variations of so many of my, fa- my my favorite ones that, you know, I've heard from other people. And as a child, I was just like, damn, man, that is fucking cool. And then you would hear that same urban legend 10 years later and it was a little bit different. And you're like, man. Mm-hmm. And then you have totally the guy happened. that's like, that's not how it happened. This is how it happened. My cousin yes, knew a guy. You know what I mean? But ultimately, ultimately, all these different variations of these classic urban legends – they were all effective. And they, they still all, and they all, for the most part, not all, but many, many of them have origins in truth in terms of it might not have happened like that, 
It might have inspired that. Yeah. It might have, you know, but but the, a lot of them can be tracked down to having some sort of true nature. It might not be exactly, and it might have been warped and exaggerated over time, but they all stem some, from some sort of story that was heard or whatever. Like, you know, and, and we'll get into this later when we talk about, you know, urban legends in more detail, but a lot of them are based in truth. And a lot of people have led to believe that the most famous of all, I think is probably the hook, or it's at least one of the most famous urban legends. Bloody Mary. Yeah. Too. Bloody Mary yeah. too. And the hook apparently is tracked down to the Texarkana murders, which also were based that what the, town that dreaded sundown films were based on um murders that happened back in the 40s or 50s in a place called texarkana which was i believe between texas and arkansas or something like that yeah exactly right on the border and right on the border um, of texas and arkansas this place is you know a small town and there there were murders there and they're very detailed and uh it's believed that that is what sort of turned into the hook eventually um so there, there, there's tons of truth to these, uh, in terms of their origins and there's tons of books. There's, t- I almost, when we were doing, when we planned this show, we had the idea to go in the urban legends. And as I was looking into them, I was like, dude, we're not even going to scratch the goddamn surface. I feel oh, so, so underprepared <clears throat> for this show. I'm like, there's so books many. And, and, and TV shows. I started watching things, documentaries. And I was like, dude, we can do like 18 more urban legend show, which we probably will. We probably will do more of these because I personally had a fun time uh, looking into urban legends. And there's so many more to tell. I mean, how we kind of almost did an urban legend show. A, a few shows back moods back in the 90s i believe with when a stranger calls the trilogy yeah it's it's that's I, literally i, I was one actually gonna bring that up legends i was actually gonna bring that up we've this is kind of the second urban legend show yeah <laughs> so, so yeah. um i'm sure we can do more maybe on the jersey devil or the the uh clown you know the the, the clowns uh the what well, i think amusement yeah. had one of those but um there's tons of other movies that are based in urban legend like way more than i even realized i was looking into it and uh we could probably cover more of them and talk more on urban legends as time goes on but it's a very fascinating topic for sure i agree i agree jeremy did you want to add to that no not really like usual (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, should we just get and read into the uh, first film? First film here. Oh man. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. From 1998, directed by Jamie Blanks. <laughs> is that a female or a male? <laughs> uh, it is a male, I believe. Well, hopefully, it his is... dad blew blanks when he fucking. <laughs> it is. A male. Uh, wow. Also responsible for. Let's see what films he did. Of this guy actually Urban directed Legend, um, Valentine, Valentine, which dude, Storm Warning. that does not surprise me because I was thinking of Valentine when we were watching this movie because we covered Valentine for Valentine's Day a few years ago, and yeah. I was thinking, oh wow, this has that this is like that same era, and it's for it makes sense that that was the film, and then it's Storm Warning, which is casting, a completely too. different movie, um, mm-hmm. really good, and he did Long Weekend. I take it that this guy's probably Australian. 
Yeah, he's an Aussie director. Then that is the Long Weekend remake, which I've actually never seen, and I love the original ones. So this guy, this guy doesn't have an overly bad filmography. Actually, it's yeah. not too too bad. I guess. I guess we'll. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> um, but yeah, Urban Legend from 1998. It's 90s. Uh, that's for sure. It's yep. Yeah, it's definitely 98. It's that kind of that post um, Scream era. I know what you did last summer. This was kind of the third one in those really big kind of yeah. blockbuster horror trilogy film, or not trilogy, but you know, this was kind of last one in that it, resurgence. They used to all be trilogies at the time. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Scream '96, I believe. Uh, I know what you did last summer it was '97, and then this was '98's answer to those previous yep. ones mm-hmm. uh, with Urban Legend, which kind of cool um short little synopsis a college student suspects a series of bizarre deaths are that are connected to certain urban legends so yeah um i love brad dwarf in this movie man bad brad dwarf uh-huh is, is he really is he really a dwarf yeah he's he's small <laughs> can we just fucking stop making jokes about me fucking mispronouncing stuff we already know that i can't the classic it. case of you can dish it over you can't take it well, we already know I can't pronounce shit. It's like, and we just move on. Honestly, no honestly, I happen. will give you this one. I will give you this one because Brad Durf. I've heard it pronounced like that a little pretty, bit. People always pronounce his name differently, so I don't even know what the actual pronunciation for his name. But mm-hmm. yeah, this is pretty much one of the first people you see in the film, though, is actually Brad. He Durf. has that usual crazy look on his. He always has the same fucking stupid look on his face. I love his voice because. I don't know if you guys noticed, but like he doesn't, it, he definitely has a different voice that he does for Chucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But you can hear like tints of it, which I'm glad that it's not the same exact voice because then you just think of Chucky every time. But like, I, I think Brad Dourif is one of the most underrated actors in. He's a character history. actor, man. He's awesome. Yeah, but he kills it as uh gas station attendant sheriff brackett in the halloween remakes too like that might be mm-hmm. one of his bigger mm-hmm. roles and he no one flew over the cuckoo's nest man that's where he got his start he, and you know and the funny thing is he actually kind of plays the same type of character in that film that he does in this one he, he plays a dude with like a speech impediment doesn't he oh i'm one flew over the cuckoo's nest yeah yeah that's, that's like his first i think he was nominated for an oscar for that movie actually yeah yeah you know, yeah. I find it interesting too that Brad Dur- he's not even credited in this film. Like he's yeah, I, to- I had to look it up on IMDb because I didn't know if that was really him, and he's like all the way at the bottom. I didn't. Know that. Yeah, it's actually in the uncredited parts, and yeah, yeah, I was just kind of going through the cast. And I was like, oh, he's in the uncredited parts. I'm like, that's interesting, considering he's a pretty big name. Yeah. Did you know, we get the uncredited. synopsis yet? Yes, yeah. I did. Okay, so also in this film is Daniel Harris. Um, you know, just as bad as last week. This was you can tell that this was not like 2006, based on the fact that none, like Brad Dorf and Daniel Harris, didn't get top billing. You know what I mean? Like uh, nowadays, if either of those were in the film, they, their name would be right at the top. I don't really understand though. By 1998, Brad Dorf probably should have had at least a credit though. But you I mean, gotta remember, this was, was a different time, dude. This was the WCW era. Like nobody cared about horror. Well, actually, you know why he doesn't get a billion or credit? It's because this is the uh, this is the the sexy cast era. Yeah, you know, yeah. This is the beautified cast era where you have people like Rebecca Gayhart and um, Joshua Leto. Jackson, Tara Lee, Tara Lee, Jared Leto. Yeah, and he's even referred to as man. That guy's so sexy. Oh, shit. Robert England in Rebecca this film Gayhart. too. I forgot about that. Yep. And he's Robert not even England. Mister England. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and what's up with two bad Daniel Harris performances in a row? 
That's two weeks in a row. Well, she I was mean, horrible it, in this movie. I, yeah, I don't think her, she in was... In her defense... In her defense, her character doesn't really allow her to showcase her That's who her character was, for sure. Like, that wasn't bad acting. That was that bad was just cast. the character was written dumb, kind of. Yeah, she was, was just a low-life goth. She was just I don't think so. Goth. I think she pulls off a, 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 a decent-looking goth chick. Mm. I think she was fucking hot as a goth. To be yeah, I think she should be a goth more out often. When she was getting doggy style, that's what I wanted to see. <laughs> well, Daniel course, Harris Daniel has Harris. done one nude, man. I know Halloween. You barely see it. Yeah, and it's but you get to see sad. it. Though. You get to see. <laughs> I it. don't even want to see it at that point. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, what are your guys' thoughts on the film? Okay, um, so. I absolutely 100% love the concept, right? It, it's a it's a really cool concept. It's using urban legends that we all know and throwing it in with the slasher, the the late 90s early 2000s slasher craze that was smart slasher like scream. And yeah. it, every time I watch one of these, I realize that scream is so much better because like Scream is very, very smart with everything it does, and these movies are trying to replicate that smartness, but they mm-hmm. don't do it. Especially at the end, it's like, oh my Jesus Christ, shoot me! This is this is so. Oh, they think doing, it's so smart spoilers, than what it correct? is. Sure, we might as well. Okay. I mean, they, at least so we can talk about the end of they part think, two. At the ending, they think they're so fucking smart with the reveal, and it's like, no. No, no, no. You're not as smart as you think you are. Yeah, I mean, you're, you know what? I, I agree. I agree. The, the one thing I love about Urban I love the premise of this film. And I like the fact that they not only called this film Urban Legend, th- is that the, they actually performed pretty much all the kills. They kind of went through with what they were trying to showcase mm-hmm. here. You know, was to showcase multiple Urban Legends. And I think they did a good job in this they, film they because did, pretty much every kill in the good film... Job. I think every kill in the film is, you know, obviously based on an urban legend and, and, and they showcase you to the ones that you knew about. So it kind of hits you right at home. You're like, ah, oh, yeah, that's totally, and, oh, yeah. Uh, don't turn say, on the like, light. And, you know, even this and the that ones one. that aren't murders, they, yeah. they still tackle tons of urban legends that, that are in this film. We'll get to them. And later. I think, and I think like, I'm going to be more harsh on this movie than you guys, because I even told this to Derek, like, I wish I was on the, I wish I know what you did last summer show. I know I just fucking said the title wrong because I actually never seen any of those movies. And I was probably, uh, w- have a different mindset about these movies. If I were to watch those films, well, it's because not I've like never I seen them. But... It's not like I came in high on those ones. I think I gave the first one a six. Yeah, but like I think because I haven't seen them before that yeah, I yeah. think this one looks so much shittier than what it truly is because those movies are probably not good. Well, I'll tell you one thing. that I definitely have a little bit of nostalgic eyes for this era of film. So you got to realize I was born in the early 90s, right? And probably by this point – and oh, dude, this is actually good. So I was just listening to the 2007 show that Exploding Heads did with Mr. Watson and Mr. Watson said in that show that the 90s were such a lull that his, you know, de- his time wasn't the 90s. It was the the early the mid 2000s like that. That that was his, you know, time for horror. And I have sort of a, a, a similar feeling where in the early 90s, I was watching 80s horror movies like that's why it's funny when. 
I think about it, like, everybody's like, oh, I grew up in the 80s. Like, I watched all the 80s horror films. And I was like, me too, except for I didn't grow up in the 80s. I grew up in the 90s and I watched all the 80s horror films because there mm-hmm. was not much happening in the 90s until Scream. And then when Scream came out, I it was like I was renting I Know What You Did Last Summer and Urban Legend and Valentine and, and all these movies uh, that, that came out in the, the faculty and tons of these movies. I was renting them and I seen a lot of these films that came out, including Urban Legends, and I liked them. Now, years later, watching them, like I Know What You Did Last Summer, I can see the massive amounts of flaws in the movies. So, yeah. Urban <clears throat> Legends, although a cool concept, it, it is it does have a lot of issues. Well, it, it, I think most of the issues in this film happen in the third act. There, there's a little bit of uh, convenience placing and how the hell did that happen? And it's well, mostly moments like that. Throughout really. all these movies of this era, there is a ton a ton of convenience Mm -hmm. and and that's yeah and i agree and like forceful writing where it's like like things would have had to happen this exact way for this to happen and that wouldn't happen because who would do like and like i watching these i don't even want to begin to write them down because there are so many uh just little things that don't even matter there's a bunch of like oh like that like that wouldn't happen or like that like you know what i mean it, it's 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 plagued in this era of films plagued like i feel like the scripts were just it just like add to like at this moment like oh where were you at this point it's yeah. like oh i was at this it's like why do you have to tell us that it's like it's stupid one thing i will say that i like is i like horror films that have radio hosts i almost wish they would have played that up a little bit more mm-hmm mm. Yeah, I think with a film like this, it's more or less a classic case of killing off beautiful people. It, it's not so much the focus of the, you know, the writing and how these people, you know, the build up and how the killers revealed and things like that. It's it's to showcase the, the cast in these films. Acting, yeah, but it's see, to showcase that's, the cast. that's some bullshit, though, because you still have to have a well-told story. <laughs> Well, I mean, from a critical standpoint, from the average fan watching a film like this, they don't give a shit. They just want to see fucking hot people get killed. I, think they, I think they do give a shit, though. These films are not loved. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would assume the sequels aren't. For sure. And uh, this one's on not too. I hear for the most part, the people actually loved. like this one. Yeah. Hate it on part two. It's interesting. Um. But, okay, so... My, my my biggest issue with this movie is also like towards the end parts of the film. Like, mm-hmm. it's I the third just act. Do yeah, it brings not buy the reveal. Yeah, they think they're so all. clever, but they're not. That's the well, problem. The, the, with the it. reveal in this film is so ridiculous because, you know, spoiler alert. But she is pretty much like with her the entire time. But it's that convenience writing too. It's like, okay, that doesn't make any fucking sense because there's points in the film where she's kind of disappearing for a second, but no one acknowledges that she's gone. Well, it's not even that. It's like when she murders Danielle Harris's character and she's like, she comes down and she comforts her. It's like, it's no, I know looking back. That's like one scene. That's like, that's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. It's one of those films that if you watch it for the first time, you might not notice enough things to, to call bullshit on it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But if luckily this time I actually forgot who the killer was again, that happens to me every time I watch this one until about, you know, a couple, you know, a good way through when I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I find that 
the problem that I have with it is it's bullshit. The physicality of it doesn't make sense. The the her what do you mean the physicality? What we like her as a not a dainty little girl. Mm-hmm. Like that mm-hmm. is not what we're seeing when we're seeing the killer. Like that is not yeah, her exactly. in that suit. It's just oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, you okay. know what I, I mean. And yeah. the, not only that, but when you watch Scream and you see the reveal, the character of Billy Loomis and Stu, it makes sense that they were the killers because everything that we're shown about them characters thus far showcases that they're smart, they're intelligent, they have. Uh, a weird side to him like when you watch it back it's like oh yeah it totally makes sense that they were the killer wait 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 i'm lost for a second here on this one huh i'm lost for a second now that i'm thinking back about it when they're at the gas station isn't that bitch in the car when somebody's chasing them with in the suit what the the scene when jared leto goes into the gas station and they come out Is, is she in the car the killer Yes, she is because that 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 shit's fucking stupid. Because man. that because that's the scene where they find where where they showcase the legend of you know someone in the trunk. Oh, that's kind of dumb. Man. And and they find the body together. And that's actually that's actually a good point you bring up because that whole scene does not make fucking sense yeah. at all. First of all, because the the professor's murder is actually off screen. So again, convenience in the film. They they kill him off screen and then they place him into this vehicle, which doesn't make any sense because how did she get his body? She couldn't exactly. Fucking him. There's no fucking way that any of that yeah. w- went down in that way. Exactly. And nobody saw her. And that's actually and that's actually one of the that's actually one of the main points in the third act that really fucking ruins this film because it's shit like that. You kill yeah. someone off screen, you place him in the situation here, and then all of a sudden you're finding him. It's like that whole scene, the way it's even edited, doesn't fucking make sense. Yeah. Of like where her character even comes into that whole situation, it doesn't make any sense either. So that's actually, yeah, biggest but, plot so, points for me so in this film. I hate that. You shit. agree that in order for this whole thing to play out, like not only do you have a slasher situation where it's like, okay, I have, I'm gonna kill Tatum in the garage, right? Like you have yeah, to yeah. plan all this out. But on top of that, you have to make everything make sense for the urban legend as well. You have it have mm-hmm. to like. The very fact that you planned that you were going to be in a back, back seat, that you were going to stop at a gas station where a guy could not speak properly, and then he was going to try to warn them, and then they were going to get away, and then you were going to cut their head off, like, okay. Of course. Of dude, course. Yeah. That is the most convenient writing of all time. But to even add further insult to it is the fact that the girl doesn't even seem like she's capable of coming up with mm-hmm. this creative thing because her character is not made to be smart throughout the film. And you could say, well, it's a facade because they don't want, she don't want to be like thought. No, it doesn't matter how fake you're being. Your real personality is going to blend out when you spend that much time with. Yeah. Somebody. Cause she's totally, cause she, cause she's that type of character that, well, I mean, they, they showcase it the best. I think it's a scene where Jared Leto leaves and he's going to do his investigative stuff. Yeah. And she's like, Oh, should I go ask? She's, like, she's acting like that little giddy 14 year old girl. Like he's so hot, and he, was he looking at me? And oh, it's like, come Nothing on, man! She like, does in this film b- makes yeah. me believe that, like, even Scream She's too. Right? And I'm sorry to keep bringing up Scream, but those movies really were done well. When you see uh, Jackie from Roseanne revealed as the killer in Scream Two, like you're like, okay, I could totally see her doing all this, like with mm-hmm. the, with the help of the other dude. Like, yeah, I can see this this playing out this way. This girl, no way she could have done any of this. And on top of that. 
without uh, having the, any health. Yeah, it, 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 the physicality alone of the kills mm-hmm. with Daniel Harris and, and some of the other people. Well, not even that. Like, how the hell sense. would she be able to like pull somebody up to hang them? It's well, like that's... she did pull him up with the car, which makes sense because I did you know, watch it, for that. But, it's actually a good point that you bring up that you know Jackie from Roseanne re- revealed as a killer in part two of Scream. I always thought maybe that this movie was a direct. Uh, had the direct influence from that, you know, kind of because that movie came out just a year before this one, part two. Yeah. You know, and you don't see female killers that often in films. It seemed like you did a little bit during this era, though. But I think I think this is the connection. Yeah. I think it's part two and then urban legend kind of thing. Probably. I mean, previous this, you know, in, in the slasher history, how many female killers were revealed? Not yeah. a whole lot. I think the, the success of part two was like, fuck, man, let's Angela. do this in Urban Legend. People will nobody, – nobody will be expecting this. I mean let's face it. I remember watching this film at the cinema and I didn't know who the fucking killer was. And I was like, really? It's a female? It's crazy. It, it, it's <laughs> it's lame because it just doesn't make sense. But with that said, it, it completely dude, doesn't. It with completely that said, doesn't. I actually do like her motive. Like her motive was good enough. You know, It ties mm-hmm. into the Urban Legend thing of the driving without the headlights and – and yep. stuff like that, and and it's like okay, I like fun- I could see why she would want to do this. It just sucks that it was her instead of maybe if they would have had it a male character, and then his girlfriend had died in a thing like that. That might have yeah, made yeah. a little bit more sense. She just but didn't I think that's seem cunning enough to me to set all this up. Yeah, I mean they they were they were totally trying to get away from that for shock value. I mean, let's face it. I mean, I wasn't we shocked. we. We realize that it's like, okay, it's like whatever. That really doesn't work. But to like – I think the majority of people would be like, oh, it's kind of different. It was a female killer and they don't really look at it like that. But who knows? Who knows? But I mean in actuality that really does not make a whole lot of fucking sense. But I do like the fact that you know that her motives were based off an urban legend to play out all these random – urban legends the way they do of course you got you kind of have to separate yourself from reality so, a little bit because this shit is never going to go down in sequence and, and work out perfect the way it did for her maybe i watched this a long time ago that i don't remember but what was tara reed's urban legend death her urban or her urban legend is the classic <laughs> i keep saying classic case i don't know why the fuck i keep saying classic that's like the phone call it's it's the basically sitter the one where you hear the screams over like a radio transistor or something like that and you're you're hearing a murder happen that's right? an urban but the, legend but there's nothing you can do or was yeah. it the one where everybody screamed at once i can't remember no Me it's either. it's that's the one it's asking. the one where somebody is being recorded and everyone's hearing it but nobody can do anything about it and it's like did uh, that okay. really happen oh, yeah, yeah. and that, that scene dragged on for way too fucking long i actually and, am not i i think that it was fine it was like 10 minutes the, the, the movie is a little long in general um this should have been 90 minutes, 100%. Yeah. All but, of know, them that's, are that's like the, the same length, though. I do give them props for not copping out in the story and, you know, using as many urban legends as they did. Because I Dad, like it, man. They go showcase... over some of them? Yeah, man. There's like. Okay, okay so well, fuck... I have actually a list here in front of me of all the ones used in the film. Um, at the beginning of the film, we hear uh, a roommate talk about how she replaced the birth control of a roommate <laughs> with aspirin. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah yeah that's the classic yeah. um uh a ra- same girl calls into a uh radio show that says that sh- having to have her stomach pump after performing yep. oral sex on the <laughs> and she swallowed the fucking <laughs> love juice uh yep. a, a couple suffering from penis captivus i don't know what that is <laughs> uh and then of course you have the killer in the back seat and then you have uh the bloody mary when brendan and natalie try to conjure up bloody mary 
Professor Wexler mentions the legendary, the babysitter getting the call from the phone upstairs, which is definitely one of the best urban legends ever. What about uh, Pop Rocks, bro? Uh, then we have the Pop Rocks, which I knew everybody heard that when they was a yep. kid, dude. Yeah, I for sure totally. did. Um, then you had uh, the hung from a tree while the girlfriend's in the car below. The spider eggs in the bubble yum uh, as the killer's next move. They kind of comment on that. The gang initiation with the headlights. We have the um, classic uh, girl roommate walks in on her uh, other... Aren't you glad you didn't turn on the lights? Yeah, aren't you glad you didn't turn on the lights? That's a classic yeah. one that, that everybody knows. The slasher under the car... Um, then you have Man, the classic love roller coaster song. I wonder how much they paid for that song to be in the movie, uh, where the apparently the scream is a real murder scream, which that's an yep. old old urban legend. I remember like the that head one. was the hair got caught in yeah, the roller yeah, that, coaster and it tore the back yeah. of her head off. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Parker finds remains of dogs in the microwave, resembling old lady dries wet dog in the microwave legend. And I love that kill. Brenda <laughs> tries to reenact the kidney heist on Natalie, which is interesting when we talk about the. Because yeah. so some of these legends become a big part of some of the future films. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so the body under the bed type thing. You yeah, know, the credit, they that, that's in there. And, and they also use the one, the body in the trunk. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. So you, know, you smell something funky. Do you guys want to go into ratings? <clears throat> um, okay. Who wants to start? I'll go first. So, Urban Legend is a weird movie for me because, again, like the guy that comments like, oh, like, JP can really like a movie, but rate it low or high or whatever. Like, yeah, it's true. Like, I actually really like this movie, even though I think that it's kind of kind of very, very poorly done on a lot of aspects of the film. So I am going to give it um, not a great rating, but I think a very respectable six and a half out of ten. All right. Um, I actually, I'll go. On, honestly, I I really enjoyed this film for what it is. Um, I'm a big fan of urban legends. Uh, it was actually my idea to do this show, so kind of figure I'd come in probably a little bit higher than this one. But uh, I I saw this film in the at the cinema and I really enjoyed it. And of course, this one is isn't without its faults. It's it's completely ridiculous in reality when you think about what's happening and the third act is just there's so much convenience in this film too it's ridiculous but overall i have a lot of fun with this one i I love the fact that they threw in so many urban legends they didn't cop out and just throw in like two or three and i really like the overall outcome of this film too um and like how the whole story kind of becomes full circle and it becomes its own urban legend also i think that's a you know that was probably the most brilliant thing about the film in reality um, I thought that was really cool and stuff. Um, you know, the kills are decent in this one. I mean, probably could have been amped up a little. I mean, some of them are they're decent at best and stuff. I mean, you're going to get that with these with these type of films. I mean, you're going to have to, you know, kind of tone it down a little bit for the theatrical releases and stuff. But, you know, there's some fun characters and stuff in this one. It's, you know, classic case of the very hot cast and things. I kind of like this one. I, I mean, I like this film a lot more than I do. I know what you did last summer. There's so many fucking things I hate about that film. I'm going to get it. I'm going to give this one a seven out of 10. Mm. Seven out of 10. All right. Urban legend. So this is the first time I have watched this film, any of these movies, to be honest. And like I said, I haven't really 
indulged in the 90s late 90s horror that much it was past it was before my time just a little bit not by much but just a little so i really haven't watched them like jp has so i just went into it watching what it was and i wasn't that big of a fan of this one it's kind of bored at times to be completely honest with you really Hmm. yeah i didn't it's just like oh this is it's just a blatant average slasher film to me like you said i give him credit that this era for jeremy is probably something that he won't enjoy most of the time honestly because a lot of the movies uh, are very convenient and like the acting doesn't hold up so much yeah yeah that's definitely that's definitely a a little hit and miss thing in this one the acting is a little bit uh a little stiff at times and pretty bad and stuff um, I think one thing is actually interesting to note about this film that I thought was interesting, especially for the times, because they always seem to kind of do that. Uh, there was like there was no bl- token black person in this film, maybe except for the security guard. Security uh, guard's talk my about her, dude. Yeah, she's but my she, favorite. But she reminds me of the the security guards in um, South Park, where she's like, "Sir, I'm gonna need to check your asshole." <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I'm talking about a main character. She's kind of a secondary one, but she, yeah, she is. She's a cool character, though. And we'll talk mm-hmm. about more. We'll talk about her later too. Yeah, yeah. Actually. But like JP said, like I, I don't get these movies too much. Like oh, like as I said, I didn't really watch them growing up that much. And these films really aren't that bloody when you watch them and you pay attention. Like no. I was thinking about that. Like they're none really of, not none of that them were from this era. From yeah, they, just, they, like, all, they dumped down all these films. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love the I love the security guard. You know, she's definitely my favorite character, and I give him credit that they had a lot of urban legends in it like mood said but overall like eh, to me it's not a bad movie i wouldn't watch it again but it's not like one that i absolutely like love so i came in a little bit lower on this one i gave this one a five out of ten all right so really yeah, oh my, holy shit dude i ooh, can't wait to see I, her I, on the I, next I, I, be- <laughs> I actually be- like the next one so yeah <laughs> i huh. actually believe him uh, with the five out of ten, like I, I feel like I was spot on with how I thought he would interpret the movie. Yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense. All right, I mean, it's also his first time watching the film too, so I mean, who knows? It might be I, one this of those. Film does might... not get better with repeat viewings because I used to love this movie, and I've watched it a couple times since then. Every time I've come a little lower. I actually like this movie more than the last time I've seen it, surprisingly enough. And I'm not really, like, the overly the biggest fan of this era in film, either. Uh, like, the later 90s, I felt, was kind of... I don't know. I like Idle Hands. It just has They're that really era. awkward, man. The, that time is just really awkward, where it's like... It, it is an awkward... You know, what, you know what another thing I really... I took points out? This film has a really terrible soundtrack, too. The music that's in this film is fucking awful. <laughs> it's just like it wasn't as catchy as you know like the other films in this era i don't know the film or the music is shitty <laughs> it's fucking terrible but i will give him credit this movie does have the highest body count in the whole trilogy so all right mm-hmm. so um i believe we are now gonna go into some more urban legend talk correct we're gonna right. do local urban legends yeah so local. yeah um i thought it would be cool to sort of let everybody know if we have any urban legends around our area. And I figured I would uh, talk about a few from from uh, the Pittsburgh area and then one that was a little closer to my my area. So there, there are a handful from Pittsburgh. 
Um, there is uh, one that is about the Green Man. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that, but it's a it's a well known urban legend in Pittsburgh. Uh, he's also known as Charlie No Face uh, because the <laughs> Green Man is described as a faceless being who walks along Route 351 at night and supposedly emits an airy green, airy green glow. Um, so that that's sort of a, a more well-known one. And then we have the Blue Mist Road, which apparently is like a haunted road in um, Irwin. And uh, it's sort of nearby a graveyard, and, and it's about two lovers who... Uh, their, their tombstones apparently have like slowly like grown closer together over time. You know, could could be not true or it could be the no, ground I'm shifting. Lost. I'm lost on this one. <laughs> what? Either you're talking retarded or something, but what? I I don't understand what this one's about. I said it, it's about a place in on the Irwin Road about uh-huh. a cemetery where there's two headstones of two lovers who have died and they've uh-huh. been drifting closer together over time. The headstones. So what's going to happen if they drift, drift together? Nothing. It's just creepy. <laughs> How is that? Cre- I, dude, I'd just it, be like, oh, the ground. Because the headstones are moving. I don't know. That that would mean that there's a ghost or something. I don't believe That's it. That's retarded. But I'm just that it's... one's stupid. Okay. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> I think that one's stupid. <laughs> um, well, it also has ties to witches on that road and um, angry little well, people who attack trespassers. Care? Uh, so it's it's really just the road itself is is sort of why, um, why the fuck do witches care if there were lovers? Why the hell are they moving their headstones? No, closer that's to you? a different story, dude. <laughs> Same road, different story. Jeez, pay attention, dude. Come dumb on, as fuck. <laughs> fuck you! I don't even know my ABCs. How the hell am I supposed to follow this shit? Yeah, um, <laughs> true story. There's true actually story. this this one's kind of interesting. That's tied to Pittsburgh, apparently. Um, there's like strong evidence that Jack the Ripper is either from Pittsburgh or uh, moved to Pittsburgh at some point uh, because there was a guy in Pittsburgh who uh, was in London at the th- he's from Pittsburgh that was in London the time of the Jack the Ripper murders. Also, um, there's handwriting experts who have tied the handwriting together. Um, so that's kind of interesting that, j- that the famed hmm. Jack the Rip- Ripper could have been a Pittsburghian. Um, interesting, interesting. Um, now, there's some other ones about like an orphanage that caught fire in the 1800s, killing um, 13 children inside. Uh, people go by the road often, you know, claim to have seen things or heard things or whatever. It's called 13 Bends. It's, it seems like a lot of roads. <laughs> a lot of road horror in Pittsburgh. Um, a lot of these I wasn't very familiar with, um, but there was one in particular that I was familiar with, and this is probably the most famous for me. Besides the lo- the the extremely local legend that you can't even find any information on online about Crazy Helen, which I think <coughs> I might have talked about on this podcast before about this woman who lives in a house in a n- nearby neighborhood that literally. I swear to God is one of the scariest people I've ever seen in my life. Like you can walk by her house at night and she screams, there's nobody out there. And it's like, it's fucking out of a movie, dude. You wait, you walk past her house at night and you don't like, you don't stop near it. You know what I mean? 
And is she in her, there? Yeah, dude. Her and her oh. lights are always out, off, and it's just her and maybe one light in a top bedroom. Like it's a giant house, and um, like she's absolutely one hundred percent crazy. My friend's mom said that she, and you know, this is again adds to the urban legend. Said that she chased her with a knife when she was a little girl, um, because she <laughs> stepped in her yard and stuff. And uh, I've personally heard her shout at demons at night. Personally, like I've heard her talk to, to demons, saying that there's nobody outside when you're walking past their house and stuff. And it's like, oh my god, you know what I mean? She's saying she's not by a window or anything. She's upstairs. Mm-hmm. She's screaming out. You can hear her screaming in her house. There's nobody outside. As you're walking by, you know what I mean. Uh, my friend's that would be dad the first told me I would hit up on Halloween. My <laughs> church, right there. My, we used to play <laughs> ding dong ditch on our door and stuff. Like it takes so much. It took so much balls to do that. But I was a badass as a kid, so I would do it. And uh, my friend's dad told me that he climbed on her roof when he was a kid. And um, the hell she old is started this screaming. <laughs> I don't know. She's really old. Um, she started screaming. There's nobody on the roof and stuff. And you know. Uh, dude, she, you walk past her house in the daytime and like all her pots and pans will be out in the yard. Like she throws them out the windows. Like it, <laughs> she's she, just nuts. That it, it's, it's crazy. She's so scary, dude. And I don't get scared at stuff like that. And then the final one that I wanted to talk about is the one that's probably most famous from Pittsburgh. It happened in 1956. Uh, basically a B-25 bomber plane crashed into the Monongahela river, killing two of six passengers on board. Uh, although there were many witnesses and several recovery attempts, the plane has never been found. Of all the legends uh, around there, this is probably the most notorious because there's so much mystery surrounding this. Uh, basically, people have said, you know, it was actually a plane that came from uh, Roswell, New Mexico. Uh, there's people who say that... Um, you know, government agents like threatened them if they were would like, you know, say anything. Uh, th- to this day, they have never been able to find that plane yet. Uh, hundreds of people have like sonared the the river and you know done different things where you should be able to find the plane, uh, especially since it's you know not super deep of a river. But uh, these are the this is the information I have on this that you can't find online. I was very surprised. I did a little research on this. Um, if you talk to people that was around back then, like my friend's grandfather and stuff, he will tell you that it was a massive scene. It happened in the middle of the night, and there was a ma- everybody who lived nearby was all around the river, and he and anybody else who was alive and around back then will tell you that they watched people pull the plane out and um, that it was not like a normal looking plane and that uh, they were very, very secretive about it and they were very threatening and there was um, people with, uh, you know, guns and, and just, you know, like, like military and like quarantines and people were took in and, and, and hell. Oh, that sounds like bullshit. Um, does it though? Mm. It's an urban legend, dude. Yeah, but he think he says it's real. I believe that this happened. Whether it was for some alien shit, I don't really believe. Like it could have just been like top secret or something. But why would? But what you know about the military? Why would they not? If it was something important and secretive, why would they not do any of the things I just said? 
It nothing mm-hmm. nothing I I didn't say they murdered anybody or killed anybody. Like they were just very secretive about it, and that I think that they lied about pulling the stuff out of the river. You know what I mean? Like I I, I think that it's weird that it still hasn't been found, and it's a B fifty twenty five bomber, mm-hmm. and it's in a river that's not that deep. Um, the the river the river is right is probably five seven minutes walking distance from where I am right now. And, um, it's, it's interesting if you talk to people who were around back then, because they say that, um, they're 100% took it out of the river. And every report that you look at online says that they 100% did not. And it's still in the river. You know what I mean? It would be cool if it was some, some, you know, alien type shit or something. You know what I mean? But, um, I think that that's probably the, the coolest one that's really close to me. Uh, we also had a Yeti urban legend as well around here, but yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Jeremy, you got any? Yeah. So some <laughs> interesting. so riddled with them. Yeah. There's of course candy man. I'm not going to talk about candy man, even though it's not an urban legend, but it's a movie based off an urban legend in Chicago. So we have can and we have homie, the clown, I don't think it has any relationship to In Living Color, but Homie the Clown was, uh, <laughs> yeah. back in 1991, there was this clown that supposedly tried to lure kids into his van, and like that he would supposedly chase them down, and he had knives, and actually the Chicago police had to come out and say, like, it's nothing more than urban legend, and they actually like had to investigate it and all this shit. And most kids know about it if you ask them, but Homie the Clown, yeah, it's nothing more than a get-in-my-fan type of a, a urban legend. And then we have Resurrection Mary, and this is like one of the more uh, well-known urban legends. Every town has one, but it actually originated in Chicago. So this urban legend is about uh, Mary, who was walking home one night from uh, prom, and she stepped into... A street and she got hit by a car and the urban legend is that if you see resurrection mary you know she would jump in front of your car and she would vanish and like a lot of towns have urban legends like that then we have the university of illinois ghost there's an english building in chicago that was said to be haunted by a female she would live in the top of the house like, legend has it, the building had, like, a gym and a pool, and the girl actually died in the pool. But, like, the myth goes that it, like, changes a lot of the time between um, person to person. And there's a whole bunch more of that Illinois-wise. Uh, one of the more well-known ones is Munger Road, and they actually made a movie about this a few years ago. Munger Road is a road that is in... Cook County still, which Illinois is in Cook County. I mean, uh, Chicago is in Cook County. And it is a road in the between two suburb towns, and there is a myth that the road is legendary for drawing people because there was a school bus that was full of children one day, and as it was coming up to these railroad tracks, it got hit, killing everybody inside of the school bus. And the myth is that if you go to Munger Road and you sprinkle baby powder on the hood of your car and sit on the tracks with the car neutral, the children's spirits would push your car off the tracks and you would see their hands in the baby powder. So that's yeah, like that's one of the classic more, one. I know that one well. 
that's like a really famous Illinois slash Chicago urban legend. Then there's like a bunch more um, like uh, I suburban think the, the urban legends candy, that go on. The um, you know, poisonous candy, razor blades in the candy might have originated yeah. in Chicago as well, if my memory serves me correctly. Mm. Well, there's like this another one where uh, Cherry Road or Cherry Hill Road, I think it's called, and there's like the legend where uh, this young couple was on their way to prom and they lost control of their car. And the girlfriend died right away in the crash, but the boy was able to crawl away and he wrote, help me in his own blood. And the legend is that if you spray painted help or like if you go near the road and you do something like you'll see help spray painted on the hood of your car or something like that, which doesn't make any sense because how the fuck does this ghost have spray paint? But, you know, there's a bunch of uh, <laughs> the devil baby ghost. at. Yeah, the Devil Baby at Whole House. Whole House, of course, was the uh, place that James Adams opened up at the University of Chicago. And the myth is that a woman gave birth to a child that was fathered by the devil. And Jane Adams supposedly raised a child in the attic of the Whole House, but it died at a young age. And some people think that if you look at the top of the Whole House, you'll see the devil's face in the window, which is bullshit. But that's just some of them. There's a lot more, but um, Munger Road is definitely the most well-known. Well, what's your favorite legend. one? Local one, Munger Road, for sure. That's the one I heard about the most growing up, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the one that everybody seemed to talk about. That's what not a- my favorite one in general, but... What about you, Woods? Hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, doing a bunch of research, man, there's not really a whole lot of ones that you know aren't very common. You know, to most people, you guys have probably heard the same type of stories around your areas and stuff. Um, there's uh, there's always one that kind of stuck out in my mind. It's um, It was written by this guy that was going around B.C., and he was actually writing a book. It was basically haunted places throughout uh, uh, B.C. and stuff. And the legend is there was this place just outside this little town called Cash Creek. And uh, it was like this abandoned farm. I guess it was this family. And they died off. But the property still sent, uh, still sits there and no one's ever claimed or whatever. I don't know really know the whole story with that. But anyways, there's this property there. And in the, the legend has it is uh, if you go and, you know, try to stay in this place, you know, kind of set up shop and try to stay the night and shit like that, you, you can't do it because for some odd reason, when you go there, uh, it kind of triggers like this weird kind of hallucinatory type thing where it's you you almost envision this this whole battle scene for something about humans going into this area or something like that it, it triggers this thing and, and the that legend like has, some Blair Witch shit right there it, it's really weird man apparently multiple people have tried to stay the night in this place and they've they've saw like this battle type scene it's almost like a almost like a cowboys and indian indians type battle scene but it's got fire and explosions and shit and you and literally like there's a whole pile of like supernatural weird shit that's happening and stuff and so this guy went and tried to do this and he said he couldn't even he didn't even last eight hours he had to get the fuck out of there all this crazy shit was happening and stuff so that was one urban legend that i'd always wanted to actually do for myself because i know exactly where this part well i'm not 100 percent sure i know where cash creek is but apparently it's just off a little bit and i would like to check this out it's pretty cool apparently i drove by it a million times but that always sounded interesting like this whole battle scene and shit like what the fuck is that well, what happened if moods goes and he doesn't come back at least we know where he is <laughs> well <laughs> as far as i know no one's ever died there they just haven't been able to stay the night like so much weird shit's happening and stuff like that 
that. So that one was always interesting. There was always the common ones that I was told when I was when I was a child. Like I used to, we used to camp at this place called Purden Lake a lot, and there was the classic case of uh, you know somebody that was out there in the winter doing some ice fishing and their their snowmobile, you know, hit some thin ice and sunk. And, you know, if you climbed up to this one certain peak and stuff, you could actually see the headlights from this uh, snowmobile kind of peeking through it at certain times of the year and stuff like that. Um, you know, and apparently people had died and never found the bodies. That was one thing about Purden Lake that was interesting. There was a plane crash in there one time. They never found the bodies. Um, there was a bunch of accidents in this lake and they've never found any of the bodies. It's really strange. It's like the lake is like eating them up or something. It's really bizarre. But that one was always kind of scary to me. Uh, growing up, of course, here in the Northwest, um, um, the one of the biggest urban legends around here is Bigfoot because I mean <laughs> I live in part of the world where it's literally that's this is where all the sightings happen in, in, in the Pacific Northwest and stuff like that right I'm sure Mr. Watson can uh, concur with this since he's down in um, in Seattle area there so I mean this is what we have and I've I've talked to many many people around here you know mostly hunters that have had these weird run-ins and stuff and they're like what the fuck and like these are really experienced hunters they know their animals they know their scents they know how to call they know everything they're, they're professional hunters and they've come across certain things in, in the past and stuff and it's like they they can't explain that type of shit so bigfoot's always been a huge urban legend around here i mean i've never actually run into somebody that has technically seen one you know it's always about it's always sense it's like always these weird sense you know people smell these weird things and stuff footprints and odd things like that and stuff but this one isn't so much an urban legend this is actually more of a true crime but it has a really long history and they actually recently made a documentary about it which you can see on on netflix it's called the highway of tears and basically what it is is um this highway that runs between prince george and prince rupert it's highway 16 and it actually runs you know right through bc and stuff which uh, other bodies have actually been found on other parts but mostly this stretch of highway um, I think the killing started probably in the later 60s and they're technically still going on um, so this stretch of highway they found multiple I mean anywhere up to the legend has it up to about 70 75 people <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> and they're all and pretty much I would say 99% of the bodies that have been found dumped off this uh, highway have been native or half native or had native in them native you know mm. indians and stuff so it, it's really kind of strange but the thing that's interesting about this highway of tears case is that back in the uh, early 70s they actually had a suspect and there was a few bodies that had shown up on this highway and they all had the same type of ammo i think they were all strangled and stabbed i think or something like they, they were all showcasing the same ammo anyways they picked up this guy named bobby jack fowler and he actually got picked up i think in washington actually he was he was a truck driver of course which this is, you know, what where they think all the murders are. They're probably most likely truck drivers because they're always driving through here. And, you know, to catch a mobile killer is really quite hard without witnesses and stuff. So it's kind of a perfect crime in a sense. But anyways, this guy got picked up down there um, for some other random crime. And they actually linked his DNA to, I think, one of the bodies and stuff. Anyways, he ended up dying in jail and stuff. So they couldn't actually do too much to exploit that anymore and link him to the rest of the murders and stuff. But um, one of my good friends here in town, uh, his father actually was the chief of police. And after he retired from chief of police, he actually ended up being contacted or contracted out through the RCMP to do cold case files. 
Um, so he did a bunch of detective work and stuff. And he was actually at the time after he, he went back to school or after he retired, he went back to school and, and was um, got his master's in child psychology. But at the same time, this guy really busy, man. He was going around and actually interviewing serial killers throughout different areas and stuff. And the point of interviewing these serial killers and getting all this intel and stuff was working on this uh, this case specifically, you know, doing the um uh, highway tears case and what they what he's come to conclude is that there's probably more than likely three to four killers uh just based on certain mo's and you know evidence and stuff that they've had but it's quite unclear it's quite unclear i mean we've um there was one guy that was actually uh convicted i think last year which i told you guys i was actually supposed to be on that jury which i had to turn it down because they were expecting it to be six to eight months but this young guy he killed this girl and he actually got linked to three four more which their bodies were actually found on the highway of tears so that's kind of an unrelated case but just kind of falls into it but um it's it's quite interesting because the killings you know some you know there'll be four or five or six girls i'm not sure how much this information i can actually really tell you guys i can't remember the how much stuff wayne has told me that i shouldn't tell i don't know um yeah which is actually quite interesting because you know he's told me a lot of stories that kind of keep that on their apps but i think i can say this but uh you know, there's a bunch of girls that have fit in this one MO and like, okay, well, this killer probably killed seven, eight of these. And then this one probably did this and probably did that and stuff. So that's why he's linking probably three to four killers for about 40 to women. And there's a bunch of unsolved cases. They, they don't know if they're part of the highway tiers or if these were related to other things and stuff. But the point is this highway has bodies mounted everywhere on it. It's insane. And I always thought that trying to catch a killer that was possibly a truck driver would be hard as fuck without any witnesses. It's almost like a perfect crime. Like, how do you catch somebody? They're it's all probably hitchhikers. also just a good place to dump a body. It really is. If you've ever, well, you guys have always never been on this highway, but it's, you know, there's areas where it's super dark. It's very desolate and isolated. It's great areas to dump bodies. If you're a killer, I mean, there's so many women that are completely missing to this day. They've never found the bodies, which is explainable. I mean, a lot of members <laughs> around this area, they don't find bodies because there's so many good places to hide. Still bodies. Haven't I found mean, all the hookers I killed. Well, yep. that, that's the thing. And I mean, I mean, if you're killing people around here and you can't dispose of a body where no one can find it, you're a fucking idiot because there's a, <laughs> legitimately a shitload of places to hide a body without it ever being found. But that's what makes this this uh, this case kind of interesting is that it's a big stretch of highway. Yeah, I, I knew stretch. about that one. I brought it up. I was like, oh, what about that uh, tier highway of hell or whatever? <laughs> yeah, there's like legitimately signs on the highway that say highway of tears and it's got pictures of victims and stuff. And it says, don't hitchhike because the majority of these people were all women that were hitchhiking and stuff. And the highway of tears documentary kind of focuses on native women rights and things like that. And how they're, you know, it kind of focuses more on the fact that, you know, they were forced to do these things and stuff. And I, it's, it's certain points in the documentary. I felt like it was kind of getting away from the main point of what it was. I understand what they were trying to do, but um, there's a lot more to the story than they showcase in the documentary, which a lot of the stuff, you know, I, I have a little bit of insight and details that, you know, other people probably don't have, but, um, it's interesting, man. It's interesting. And it's fucking scary because, you know, it's scary thinking about one serial killer, but when you're thinking about multiple serial killers, that's even scarier. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it kind of, it's in the back of people's minds. The murders have slowed down a little bit <laughs> from what I've gathered, but it doesn't mean that they're not going to pick up sometimes. So who knows? Maybe women are starting to get the point. Don't walk on the fucking highway. You probably will die. So, yeah, it's pretty sad. I actually worked with a guy 
that had his first cousin. She was 14 or 15. I think she might even be listed on the Wikipedia page. I'm not sure. Um, and his auntie were both murdered. Auntie. Two, two family members. There's another Canadian term. Auntie. It's no, it's not English term. <laughs> it's an English term, man. Uh, so yeah, so his two family members, man, in his family. That's like insane. What are the chances of having one family member killed but two? Pretty crazy shit, man. Crazy shit. Highway tears. Yeah. All right. So uh, those are our local urban legends. Hope you guys enjoyed some of those. I know there's a ton of people who, you know, if you're from West Virginia, it's the Mothman. If you're from Jersey, it's the Jersey Devil. If you're from, uh, I guess if you're from Maryland, it's the Blair Witch. (laughs) Even though that's completely made up for the movie, it's kind of spiraled into an actual urban legend at this point, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, uh, urban legends, final cut now jump in two years into 2000. Now we're in the two thousands, of course, with urban legends, final cut directed by John Ottoman. Uh, this is his only film that he directed. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. You know what else is interesting? I barely have seen any movies that are horror films that came out in 2000. Yeah. It might've been a slow year. How many came out? Final Destination, Hollow Man, Pitch Black. I've, but I can never. Thi- oh, Scream Three came out in two thousand. American Psycho. I just Psycho, can never remember. Like Blair Witch. 2. I guess I have seen a bunch of them, but just in my head, like I can never remember what came out in two thousand. Hellraiser Five. <laughs> okay. Let's... Hellraiser Five. Nice. So let's get into the plot Pretty of awesome. this one. All right. So. The plot of this film. Should I should read the mm, the short or the long one here. Uh, <laughs> About either. Let's just do the the short one here. A uh, film school is the center of a fresh spate of killing based on urban legends. I guess that works. I mean, it's happening at a film school. I guess right. So um, the first thing that I gotta say is I had never seen this one or Bloody Mary. So I was actually more interested in seeing both of these because I hadn't seen them before. Um, And I actually had very low expectations for both sequels. And watching this one, I assumed that it was going to be an in-name only sequel as well as Bloody Mary. Like, I just expected that they were going to be their own stories. I was very pleasantly surprised to see that there was continuity in this one. A little bit. And how the first film became an urban legend. That's Mm -hmm. pretty cool. Uh, yeah. And we, th- there's definitely continuity, right? Yeah, we I mean, they bring up the character. Yeah. From the just the one. end, but that's stupid, though. Well, no, no, the no. security guard is actually oh, at this yeah, film okay, school. Because she even has that funny line like, Urban Legend, my ass. Yeah, <laughs> Urban Legend. She's literally my telling ass. the story. Yeah, because they bring up the whole <laughs> legend of the first film up in this one. So that's how they kind of connected. Yeah, well, she directly states, you know, nonchalantly that she was the person that was involved with that. You know what I mean? And she had to find a job. Uh, she doesn't say it directly, but she hints at the fact that she was out of work because she, nobody would believe her or whatever and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And you, you know, so um, this one I think is awesome in terms of setting, like in a film mm-hmm. school, that's really cool. And it makes sense that like, um, in terms of the story, like this girl's like going to make a movie about the first movie you know, well, that's in, a, in, that's in essentially sense. what she comes up with her thesis film. Oh her, man, 
her short think film. about the fucking so. ending. The fucking dude pulls out that gun. I almost lost my shit. Oh, that's fucking... <laughs> I literally almost that... lost my shit. Yeah. Well, it's so unrealistic. The dude fucking flies back like 20 feet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand the hate for this movie. It's the Pet Cemetery 2 of Urban Legends. No, it's not. I don't know. That's a dumb it's... fucking... What no. did you just say? You need to... You know re- what I said. Re- Jesus Christ, you say I make controversial sometimes. statements. That's not a controversial statement. It's dumb. Has nothing to do. Those two movies have nothing to do. They're not even the same style. <laughs> Why does this movie get so much hate? I don't know. I don't know it's why it gets so much hate. But it's like, awesome, it's dumb, but it's dumb in a fun way. It's it is. It, listen, it's not. It's less dumb than the first film. Uh-huh. I honest. Well, I I don't think so, man. I don't. I see the the thing that's interesting about the first film is that you know they do try to at least showcase a, a bunch of urban legend killings. You know, kind of keep it on that on that level. And so, I, I guess this one, in a sense, they do. I mean, they have obviously some urban legends that they showcase within the film and stuff. But um, I just think it's more. I just think, I don't like the way they structure this film. What's I mean? Okay, let's take the the kidney remove scene. Mm-hmm. You know, with with that girl. Yeah. Now that is the most awkwardly placed scene in the film. I mean, we're kind of getting introduced to our characters and all of a sudden it just kind of cuts into this whole scene in the film and it's like so awkwardly placed. It what just kind of happens. That? It's just the way it happens because we got kind of get introduced to her and that whole scene type happens. It's a lot but, of build I mean, up for sure because she's at the bar the whole time and like um for a character that's just going to be um killed off well, i guess it, that, i guess it's a lot of it's a lot of setup for the kill but i thought the payoff was pretty good no well the payoff is fine in that too but i'm just saying how it comes about you know like we're getting introduced to our main characters and we're we're trying to find out you know she's doing this thesis and we get introduced to this other character who's going to win this hitchcock or blah 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 and stuff and it just kind of cuts into that scene it's like the most awkward editing what a really name for an award the hitchcock <laughs> The Hitchcock, the Hitchcock I mean, award. Win like, a Hitchcock, right? It's like, couldn't they come up with a fucking more original name, the Hitchcock? It's like, well, I mean, what, the, the well, Hitchcock's pretty damn yeah, prestigious. It, I mean, like, what are you gonna? I know, it? but it's like, <laughs> what are you gonna call it? The fucking name uh, it something after somebody who a professor at the school or something. What? Why do you have to fucking Why? call it? It's like, well, you're gonna be—you're not gonna be a great filmmaker. You're gonna be this f- professor who failed at filmmaking who's now teaching at this school. Dude, it's literally, if you win a Hitchcock, you basically win a free ticket to Hollywood. So it yeah. kind of makes sense to be named after somebody that did a lot of really amazing films and shit like that, right? Yeah. Like, you win maybe a Hitchcock, they call it the Spielberg or something like that, I could see as well. But, but Hitchcock's they fine, the, Hitchcock. the Kubrick. They call it the Hitchcock because, you know, Hitchcock more or less is if kind of related Canada, to... it was in Canada, it would be the Cronenberg. Thriller, horror film stuff. We're watching... Like, what do you, you want them to call it? The John Landis? That no. would be funny if they actually called it John Landis. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, it does make sense for what, what was, they're doing. What I was saying, though, is... But the person who tries to steal the Hitchcock is fucking stupid. That's the biggest problem I have with this movie. It has the same problems as the first film in terms of I do not. convenience and, and stuff like that. But I think this story is told a little bit better. Really? 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 I, I think like the ending reveal is complete garbage but it makes more sense than the one in the previous film it definitely does why would this the professor re- need to fucking steal something like that though well i mean he because explains he, it. he was he got cheated out of his hitchcock award man he was gonna win that shit he explains the girl's dad the girl's dad was a hack filmmaker made one documentary dude and he took dude, the award the reason 
he's fucking pissed off because our main character Amy is the daughter of the guy that fucked him out of his goddamn they career. A documentary and filmmaker. He's and he's he's totally pissed off because it not only fucked him out of his you know ticket to Hollywood, he had to stay at the school and he was fucking miserable yeah. handing out these fucking Hitchcock awards year after year. And it should have been and, him, and it should have been him gone years ago so he was fucking pissed off so basically the storyline kind of makes sense i mean amy it actually does make sense and then he's gonna now he finally he found another dude who's got like a good film he's gonna take his shit and then he's gonna say that he made it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so So that's essentially what he does and and how they figure it all out it's like okay like they actually did research and figured shit out like that's kind of cool this one though i find this one has some serious pacing issues because there's not a lot of kills in this one mm-hmm. they are it trying does. to tell a story there is there's a lot of kind I of love the lens well, kill, though. investigation there's a lot of character uh you know i wouldn't say de- actually that's one thing there's really not a lot of character development all in this film for the characters but um but they are trying to they tell a lot of story within this one so it, it does have pacing issues i feel like this one is way too long I'm, way too long and it, it feels like it's too long too like, it does feel mo- pretty long but like i i really like the setting in this one on the campus with the snow and then like i think the I, setting is cool but i think the cooler part of the setting actually is when they get to the when they're going to shoot a scene of war. her of her yeah. film within that in that mind type setting yeah. i thought that was kind of cool it instantly reminded me of uh, my bloody valentine a little bit uh-huh. Remind me and, of child's play three but that whole scene was fucking ruined for me because of the lack of creativity within the kills. This movie has like way less kills in the first film and but none of the kills. Yeah, Moose, none of the kills. I'm listen, sorry. I've never, okay, seen, I've never here, seen a kill. The f- I've never kills seen a in the, you're acting like the kills in the first film are good kills. They're just good setups. That's all they are. None of the kills are good, that good. Some of them are no, even no, no, off I, screen. I, I even said that in the first film. The kills aren't that good. At least they had the creativity to incorporate the urban legend within the kill. But this it, one, but they those, don't but do also, that. Yeah, but I'm cool with that because I don't film. I don't need that to happen again. It happened in the first film. That was the story in the first film. The story is slightly different in this film. Exactly. The, the urban exactly. legend in this film is that. the previous film. So I'm I know. The, I don't really necessarily need to see a killer kill everybody with urban legends again, especially when they feel so forced in the first film because it feels impossible to set them up. Like well, the, the ones I mean, set up in the it, first film are set up poorly. They don't make sense. There's no way you can predict that a guy's going to have a speech saying, impediment at the. I'm not saying station. that everything in this film has to be based on an urban legend. I'm saying the lack of creativity within the kills yeah. is astounding. It's really. I mean, there's can only you like name some of them for me because I don't really remember yeah, them. How, so how that how makes is the sense. death by the film lens a bad death? I've never seen anybody die by a film lens before in a movie. That is fucking. Oh my, really, dude? <laughs> Killer, the killer dressed like a fencing champ fucking takes out somebody with a camera. Yeah, that's not very fucking creative, dude. Why? Okay, it's fucking kill, funny. The first, kill, the first kill is the most creative. It's actually based on, you know, waking up a t- in a tub. Yeah, of that ice one was awesome. Movie. They had the dogs that's cool. all outside and stuff. It, it Like, that was a cool cool scene. Like, I like that And scene. then the next one, you know, where she's being filmed, so she gets stabbed, like, a bunch of times with a straight razor and things like that. It's like, whatever. Uh... Well, I think Travis was his character. No, that's actually off screen because he ends up killing himself, whatever. Um, and then we got, yeah, the camera one that you mentioned, Jeremy, which it's pretty standard. I mean, the dude is <laughs> he's like the imported Russian DP that gets fucking lensed to death. It's like, yeah, and then he pulls, but he pulls out that fucking big camera from his bag. I lost my shit again. Yeah. There's, so, some, then, there's some ridiculous. But then, in this movie. but then, but then, OK, so and then 
going into the mind scene where she's going to shoot her scene from her thesis film. And we've got the two joke characters in this film, which are Stan and Dirk. Uh, Dirk, or um, who is it? Fucking Stan. Dirk. I don't know. One of them's Anthony Anderson. Anyways, Anthony. he's the token black guy in the fucking film, and he's annoying as shit. <laughs> and, I like that guy. Nah, he's not even funny. He's, All this he's, is gonna get good. No, almost, I mean, I, there's nothing. He's I almost can't. goofy. He's like he's almost, always goofy. That dude's no, always. No, I know, goofy. but like, but he's like, like silly goofy. Like not even funny at all. I don't know what the hell is with his character in this film, but it's just like, dude. Sh- every time he talked, I just wanted to slap the <laughs> shit out of him, man. It was ridiculous. But anyways, my point is, so we've got these two characters. They're the special effects guys that are working on this film, and ultimately they get pickaxed and they both get electrocuted to death. Like. There's really not a lot of creativity. They kill these two characters with, which is actually kind of funny in this film too, because I believe it almost goes in, in the last hour of the film, there's only like two kills in this film or something like that. It's crazy. So the pacing within the kills are like, so yeah, I mean, as a slasher. Yeah, I guess I I don't know. Like these era of of slashers, like I I know they're never going to have good kills. Like they barely ever do. Like I don't, I don't. I guess I was just interested in the story in this one. Uh, yeah, yeah. To kind of notice definitely... the kills weren't really there because mm-hmm. it. I think set, having that kill at the beginning, the first one with the, the with the like, it's actually really gory, like surprisingly gory. I was yeah. like, okay, like maybe that like held me over for a while, but like now that you mention it, like I'm like aware of it, but I really didn't notice that there was a lack of kills until you said it. Well, like I said, though, okay, so you get in the majority of the kills in the first, I don't know, 35 minutes of film. The last hour of the film, I have it noted here, there's three kills. Because I, I I don't know, I note stupid mm-hmm. shit like that. So there's three kills in the last hour, and two of them happen within 30 seconds of each other. Yeah. So there's like this massive, massive stretch in this film where there's just a lot of story being told. I find the pacing is just atrocious in this one. It's crazy. As like, a it's, slasher, it's yes. But as like yes. a mystery, as um, a slasher, it's yes, still, but... <laughs> and, and then we get the it's last a, kill. It's, a, it's definitely not paced well. I will say yeah, that it's well, average pacing at best. Eva Menendez, she gets she gets hung, and I think she's the last one. And it's pretty, it's pretty suspect too. You're just like, okay, it's not even like a great kill or anything. But no, that's a really shitty kill. I like, yeah, so, I like the scenes early on, like when we first realize that oh, this is a direct sequel or kind of, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's in yeah. the same world for sure. And you, because you hear that voice of the uh, girl with the, you know, the security lady, and I'm like, oh, I love this chick, you know, and she's like, she, she like, I love that they're talking about like Foxy Brown and like coffee, because I, I love coffee, and it, it's cool, you know, it's cool, and I like that connection there, and you, and you have like a genuine little character moment between these two people that are going to meet up later in the film, and you know, it makes it feel all that more, you know, good when they, when you know, they win. Or whatever, and uh, I thought I actually did enjoy the setting, the references. Like mm-hmm. I like the film, like that they, they're trying to make films, and she's trying to make a movie. And uh, there's like tons of references for like there's a poster for Bug from 1975 in the professor's office. Like that's cool to me. You know what I mean? Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. About you know. The, you know what, man? There, there's a really big missed opportunity in this film too. I mean, he ends up actually surviving in this film, but Joey Lawrence, whoa, (laughs) (laughs) whoa, Um, he fucking, he doesn't get killed. I'm just like, what the, how do you, like, I mean, if I was a director of this film, I would probably mutilate 
and I I would incorporate his you know his big gags whoa <laughs> when, he, when he does and shit man I don't know man I just think there's a little bit missed opportunity too with there being a lot of characters I mean the majority of the main characters I guess all die in this film there's not a whole lot of them that, but that's the thing with all these movies there's a lot of fucking characters and and a yeah. lot of them that I don't care about at all and they're hard to follow and I forget who's who this and film stuff. this film and, and you know I find in this one right here you don't care about the characters whatsoever at all because there's never really any focus on the characters whatsoever, except well, for our I, main I feel like character. the main character is exactly is well done. It's just our main character, and the she's, security guard she's chick the is well done. Yeah, they're like pretty much the only ones that are kind of developed. So when these people die, it's like you just know right away. Like it's very stereotypical too when you have these kind of goofy characters that like they're gonna die like in some retarded way, and it's like you know I'm not expecting like you know brain science writing here and shit like that but I, I really think they had a missed opportunity I think they should have had a little bit incorporated a little bit more kills to kind of you know kind of break up the monotony of the pacing in this film because yeah I mean we're given a story here but ultimately we're watching a fucking slasher film and what are your guys' thoughts on the uh, way the kid looks in this film man I have uh, to say dude I, I like I don't like gimmicky like, stuff sense. like that but whatever the, he looks like a fencing person like, that, that's what it's it like, is. isn't he an old man how the fuck is he moving so fast at some no, point? why is the old. costume a fencing hey what jp he's not an old man well he's older so he's probably like he's like in he's his 40s fit, the guy looks fit enough like like yeah. jeremy's like got his walker and cane and shit but oh, fuck you jp no no i i mean I, I I don't really – none of these movies ever have a cool killer. None of them. No, I, I'm the most critical with killers, period. Well, what, is the, what is the deal with this outfit, though? Where does that even fit in? It's the same it's, as – it's just it, – it, it's dumb. I don't know. It's what just, else it's did just you a mask. Like, what else did you, you know what they should have done here? They should have had a film reel on his head. Kind of like a bullshit. <laughs> Jesus <thing>. Christ, <laughs> for the love of God, no. Um, is that going to go You know what I hate? Or... I hate when characters call 911 and they say like, oh, there's something attacking me or something. And they're like, oh, yeah, please. And hang up. And I'm like, it's fucking 911. Like, I know. That's just, such bullshit. Like, I hate, like, your kidneys. Oh, don't tell me. Your kidney's gone. Yes. <laughs> Listen, honey. I've got the princess die on line four. I got to go. Like, dude, get out of here. That's stupid. But I like, so, I love that this film is set, the setting. And they really utilize it. Like, they poke fun at the ridiculous Jeremy type where he's like, he's like, it's called cinema verte. You know what I mean? Like, and, yeah, yeah. And like, I, I almost bursted out laughing when they're fucking talking about Miss on Sen, yeah. fucking urban legends, final cut. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? But I like that. Like, you gotta have some film school terminology in a film that's set in a goddamn I know, film school. I was though. cracking up laughing like this, this, <laughs> this low budget trash. The, the, about Miss on yeah, yeah. The, all right, the the kills might not be there, but the mystery is way tighter than the first film. It's way it's way better told. It makes way more sense actually, uh, and it, you know there's there's actually not a ton of there are there is a lot, but there's compared to the first one, they cut down on the impossibleness of it so much by eliminating a lot of those urban legends. There's still a ton of urban legends in this movie. You know, in terms of just like mentions and stuff, yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. used for the kills and stuff as that much. But um, I really, really, really like this movie uh, for its setting, for the mystery. I actually, you know, I, I hate the only thing that I really hated was the, when the killer is like, 
well, I had to do this because of this, and then I did this because of this, and and the over explanation. Yeah, because it's like, okay, I know we need to know this stuff, but it's your job as a writer to deliver it creatively and not forcefully. And anytime a killer is mustache twirly and reveals his whole master plan for no reason, you know, could easily end the whole thing there, but has to deliver the. Well, crazy... it's not for no. It's not for actually. That's leading up to the scene that Jeremy was talking about the the funny ass gun moment mm-hmm. when they when they realize that the one guy that's tied up isn't the dude that did it. <laughs> we get this is where we get our killer reveal, and the, it's probably the single funniest gunshot of all time. It really fucking is because this comes out of nowhere. It is like oh yeah, but he but I, fought, I, when he pulls out like that big sniper rifle and he's fucking like. Aiming oh, down to shoot. Oh, you were talking about that one? Oh, okay. Oh, I, I yeah. Was, yeah the the dude was sitting down and he fucking shoots him. Well, that's a movie scene, the- oh. Jeremy. <laughs> I know, but it's like retarded. I'm the killer reveal. Not like not yeah, not their actual film they're doing in the end of the I film. Know, but, but it's stupid. But when when dude gets shot when he's sitting in that chair, dude, and he gets blown into that movie set with the aliens and shit, I fucking dying, man. I was like, that was worth it. That was worth the mission right there. It's pretty funny. Yeah, so but, um I guess we could go into ratings now. Okay, Jeremy, what do you what do you rate this one? I mean, even though it sounded like I didn't have a better time with this one than the first one, I I did. I think it's I like the setting, like JP said, and I never really could think of any other films that take place inside of a film school. I mean, that's pretty cool. It's a really really interesting I, I setting, and I think yeah, which ones? Um. The Horror 101. It's bad. Oh, Horror 101 <laughs> is fucking terrible. Is that a Wild Eye movie? No. No, it's, it's, it's released by Anchor Bay, actually. Oh, yeah? Anchor yeah. Bay actually released that, yeah. But anyway, I think I think they take advantage of the film school setting. They just don't, like, have it there, and it's, like, it's just part of the setting. I think they, like, they use it. It's they go to all the sound it. sets, and they go to all the stages and all that kind of shit. So at least they use it in that sense, and it... It was more interesting to watch for me compared to the first movie, basically because of that. So, Scream Three does I mean, it as well. I mean, it still has its problems with the acting and the the. I think the reveal is bonanza, but I think I I agree with what JP was saying. I think what he says makes more sense to me now that I think about it. Like I said, I watched it a week ago, so maybe I'm just being stupid and I forgot some parts of it. But mm-hmm. I can understand what what you what you're saying, JP. Um, so I am going to come in with a five out of five on this one, and we're not going to talk about the credit scene. Five out of five? What the <laughs> no, five and a half. Did we just five change our rating system? Five and a half out of ten. Jesus, you're tough on these films, man. Fucking yeah! I mean, that was a pretty bonanza rating there, buddy. <laughs> um, no, we're not gonna talk about the end. What? <laughs> the end credits. The end credits. Uh, that's probably why the best. Why do you scene always sound? Why? Why is there once in every show where Jeremy sounds so far away? Hey, Jeremy. The microwave. Or the microwave. The microphone has to be close. It's right here, bro. Yeah, but you, you sounded like... as if you were like down a hallway talking. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you're too fidgety sit still uh anyway uh i'm gonna come in on this one like i actually really like this movie i don't actually even think it's overly um badly done like i i don't have many critiques on like this the the you know the bad filmmaking like it's yeah there could have been better kills and the pacing was was i would say bad 
But besides that, I think it's a pretty well-told story. And, I mean, the reveal's a little ridiculous at times, but it actually makes sense, at least. And I like the foreshadowing with the gold tint on the guns because of, like, uh, Foxy Brown and stuff. And I I like that stuff, man. I I like keeping that character in the film. Um, I'm going to come in at a 7 out of 10 on this one. Holy fuck! Um... Yeah, I like the whole, you know, the whole, in in a sense, it's a little bit cheesy. You know, the one black character, well, not the one black character, but uh, the one character in the film, she's being, you know, she's talking about, like, Foxy Brown and exploitation. I I thought it was a little cheesy, but it's fun. It's fun. At least they're referencing good films anyways, good exploitation films. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, I don't overly care for this film a whole lot. Uh, I think the pacing is what really kills this one. I just, you know... A little more kills and things like that, I think. But, you know, the story is actually decently solid in this one. It does make a little bit of sense. I do like how... Well, I don't want to give the whole thing away, but with the killer and why he's targeting the people that he is targeting in the film, I think that's actually pretty decent, which kind of makes sense in itself. Um, because he has an agenda. You know, there's there's more than an agenda. You know, it's like... You know, it kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, he's killing off everybody who was involved with that film so that they can yeah. tell them who directed it. Because those, those, yeah, <laughs> yeah, those were the only people that had seen his film. Yeah, those were the only people that actually had seen his film. And uh, <laughs> that, That's actually pretty smart. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I just, I'm thinking about the part when he's like, and that means I gave you an A in sound for nothing. Boom! It's <laughs> 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 the funniest funny fucking part ever. Yeah, yeah that's Oh, it's so funny. Yeah, this one, I don't know, man. I... I think it, when I'm watching the film, I'm thinking to myself, going, the story's pretty good. The reveal's <laughs> hilarious, but it makes sense and stuff. But, man, there's a lot of toss-away characters in this film, man. Like, beyond toss-away characters. Like, even, you know, the goofy effects guys, you know, Stan and Dirk. It's just like, <laughs> just shaking my head the whole goddamn time and listening to these guys talk. They're just so ridiculously goofy, but... One thing I did like within the film school is that they show people actually editing real film. They're not just working on, you know, in Pro Tools or some digital program. They're actually editing real film. Yeah, JP, that's what they did. I mean, yeah, Moods, that's what they did in the year 2000. Yeah, well, I know because I went to school and I went to music school in 2000. And we well, got to- I would expect not to see them using fucking computers. Well, no, we did. We worked in Pro Tools and stuff, but we also got taught how to edit, you know, analog stuff too, right? Mm-hmm. So we worked with analog tape and we worked on computer because that was the new way. I mean, everyone was going digital because it was just a lot cheaper too, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, so we got to do both. But I like the fact that they actually showed them doing, you know, the physical uh, editing and things like that. It was kind of cool. Um, yeah, man, just, you know, for a sequel, they did not even try to amp it up with the kills, man. Mm-hmm. It has like four less kills in this film, spaced out so poorly. I think that's something that really, really devastates this film because I I literally had myself checking the time multiple times. I'm just like, okay, yeah, I know we're going to get this reveal sometime here. uh, Okay, like, where's the fucking kills? (laughs) You know? If you Um, watch it as more of a mystery and not a slasher, I feel like you don't have this problem as much. If you're looking at it like a slasher. But it's a slasher film, though. Because they set it up like a slasher from the beginning, too. It's like such a fucking slasher film. And then it, you kind of... I mean, They set it up like a Saw film. 
What are you talking about? <laughs> well, yeah, with the kidney shit, I guess. But I mean, right after that scene, I mean, everything is very kind of slasher-esque and stuff. And, you know, when, when you're watching a slasher film, for the most part, you know, you don't really have to give two shits about a lot of stuff, even the story. You know, you're more or less watching slasher films for the kills and the kill count and just ridiculous tits and stuff. And that's actually one thing. Another thing that's interesting about this franchise or this no trilogy nudity. is there's no nudity. Th- in any that's of, these films. of the time, dude. There was no. Th- th- ex- I think it's partially because of the people you're getting in the film. They're like more um, mainstream actresses and not, you know, lowbrow, like need money that never work again actresses. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you're actually having people that were very popular at the time. They're not going to get nude for cheap. You know what I mean? Yeah, for, for the most part. I mean, the first urban legend film you can tell obviously had a bigger budget. I mean, with Rebecca Gayhart and stuff. I mean,. You know, I mean, they was make this that theatrical. Yep, this one was. With th- this one was yep. theatrical too. Wow. Yeah, they made, uh, made thirty-eight million. Wow. You know, to, yeah, wow, that's, that's very, good. very amazing. That's amazing, actually. For two thousand, that's pretty good. I, I thought this was straight to DVD, <laughs> at least. But, but you know, I mean, the, the actors in this film are definitely lower tier than the first one. Um, doesn't mean the acting was any better. It was still. Very very stiff at times. Had and a fourteen million laugh- dollar budget. Quite laughable, really. Fourteen million dollars. It makes sense when you look at the setting. That's not cheap to do. Probably not. Probably not. Um, oh, dude, yeah. interesting. Scott Derrickson wrote wrote this film. Huh. Scott Derrickson, who uh, is doing the new Doctor Strange film, and uh, or did that come out already? I don't even remember. Um, and he did Emily Rose, Sinister, Deliver Us from Evil. Uh, I think he did Hellraiser 5. Did Hellraiser 5? I think so. Scott Derrickson's hmm. my dude. I like his movies. <laughs> what? Two? He's your dude. He's your dude. All right. Did you uh, ever rate yet? What are you doing? Nope. You've no, I'm just, right. I'm just, I'm just going on and on and on. But I, I still really cannot get over the costume on the killer. It just, what the fuck? Why did they come up with that? Doesn't even make sense. There's no, there's no fencing references in this film. I don't know. Like, it's ridic- why does Jason wear a hockey mask? There's no hockey because, in the film. <laughs> because it fucking, at least they show you him doing that, getting that mask. And shit. Like, this guy is literally dressed in a fencing outfit. Maybe, which would, I, I just assume that know, it, I bet you there's a deleted the scene where there's, there's like no a scene dancing of, going on at a film school. No, no, no. Like, but you got to remember they're making movies. So maybe there's a fencing scene in one of the movies. There could be a costume for sure, for sure. But it's not mentioned. And just to pick that out of everything. I mean, Christ. Oh, fuck. Just put lipstick on and some eyeshadow and be better than that shit. Um, but I'm better also going than with a falling bag. Head bag. No I knew way. you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that shit. That fucking bowling bag shit, man. You're crazy. Yeah. All right. So that's it. Cool. Alrighty, so we thought that we would get into a little bit uh, more urban legend discussion. And uh, basically just kind of go round tree here and list off like our top three favorite urban legends uh, of all time. Just our personal favorites, you know, um, who wants to start this one? JP. Okay, I'll start. Um, I, I love the classics, honestly. Like, like one of my favorite ever is the clown, um, the girl babysitting uh, with the. Uh, th- there's different versions of it. You have where there's a house that she's babysitting where the 
woman is like obsessed with clowns and has a bunch of clown figures and statues and stuff. And then there's just one where at the end of the hall, there's, there's a clown sitting in a rocking chair, like a clown doll. And it sits there with her the whole night. And she's like hearing weird things or whatever, whatever. And then you find out that it's a guy who broke into the house and it's just something creepy about the fact that he sat there the whole time still just just waiting, just waiting, just watching. You know, coming to my amazement, that was actually – I was reading up on that one a little bit and that's actually kind of a newer urban legend. I was reading on one. I don't know how accurate these, these uh, writings are and stuff, but mm-hmm. they're saying that one kind of originated within like the last 20 years type thing. And I, th- I thought that was kind of interesting because yeah, that's a good one, man. Clowns are throughout all oh, it's good. urban legends. There's, you know, tons of them. Uh, I like the I, I like the you know about that one right there is the simple fact that like the babysitter, whoever's in that house ends up talking to the owners and they're like, yeah, man, you know this clown that you guys have is really What's creepy. And then they're like, and, th- and then they're like, we don't have a clown in our living room. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> like that. That will send fear straight to your heart, man. That yeah, is creepy to me. Um, that's one that genuinely like scares me. There's like all the ones with ghosts and and different things like that. Like I'm not scared. That that will never affect me. We have a. a castle around here called the Nimacolin Castle. It's been. It's like in my hometown, and it's it has like a long, long history to like the, the birth of the town and stuff, but, um, that doesn't even affect me or anything. Um, another one that I really like is the, the, it's a variation of that. It's the killers and the, the the calls coming from inside the house. That one, that one's really good. Um, a modern one that I really like just cause it's, it's bizarre is the Ed, Ed and Eddie one. Have you guys heard of that? No, I don't know what that is. There was a cartoon show on Cartoon Network called Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Apparently, one night, uh, they broadcasted, like, a super fucked up, weird, like, bizarre, like, acid trip, like, like, episode, and, like, legend has it that it, it aired, and, like, nobody has a copy of it and stuff, but, like, it's just, if you look up on it, it's, it's pretty cool just because it's, like, it's creepy because it's kids, you know what I mean? It's, like, a kid's show. And like, who knows, like something like that maybe could happen. You know what I mean? Um, some, somebody, some disgruntled employee that somehow has access to this, you know what I mean? Or or something like that. But, uh, that one's, Hmm. that one's cool. Um, there's a ton that were done like in, are you afraid of the dark and stuff? Um, that, that also like, but yeah, those, those are kind of my favorite ones. Um, and then like, you have like the non horror ones, like, uh, I guess it's kind of horrific, like the spiders crawling in your mouth when you're sleeping and shit like that. That's kind of creepy. What do you? I actually like? told my I told my kid that a couple <laughs> weeks ago. I shit you not. <laughs> Such a bad parent. My turn. Yeah. Sure, if you want to go. All right, so I'm gonna try and pick. Well, I'm just gonna pick some of my favorite ones. Most of them aren't not horror, but these are some of my favorite ones. Uh, my favorite urban legend is that. That Paul McCartney died in a car accident in 1966 and was replaced with a lookalike. That's like one of my favorite urban legends hoax that I've ever heard. I've there's made documentaries about it and everything like that. Basically, Ringo Starr said that Paul McCartney died in a car crash during a recording session one night and that he was replaced by a lookalike that was uh, that won a contest for a Paul McCartney lookalike, and there's like clues on the um, Sgt. Pepper's album that shows that uh, Paul McCartney died in a car crash. And one song, he blew his mind out in a car, which is 
famous song, A Day in the Life is the name of the song. And there's just a whole bunch of different things about Paul McCartney dying in a car crash on that album and things like that. So that's one of my favorite urban legends. It's total bullshit, but um, I always liked that one. And like I said earlier on the show, Steve Burns from Blues Clues dying of a heroin overdose. That was another one of my favorites. Uh, that that actually growing. happens with a lot of people. Like the guy who was on the Dude, You're Getting Adele uh, commercials. Mm-hmm. Like I heard that about him. And then the Can You Hear Me Now Verizon guy. But I think that guy's still alive actually because he was in they even talk. They even talk about Mikey in the original Urban Legend film. How he apparently died from eating Pop Rocks and shit like that, right? Yeah, so like yeah. this is the one. That's going to, yeah. Steve from Blue's Clues, they say he died from And this is like recent that um, – uh, this is, has picked up some media coverage recently within the last few months actually I remember seeing it on Facebook and the Today Show and shit like that like Steve Burns he was the host of Blues Clues <laughs> everybody said that he died from a heroin overdose He because le- he left the show and he wasn't show business ever again but uh, like recently they've like done stories about him like he's alive and he's like he's a musician now and he he plays in some kind of indie hipster band, but uh, that's one of my favorite says. It says fair here on this quote. It's very different from Paul McCartney. So they're talking about the one that I just talked about, but um, that's one of my other favorite ones. Another one of my favorite ones is was Mr. Rogers, a Navy SEAL. Uh, there's an urban legend that Mr. Rogers was a sniper in Vietnam. It has like 15 confirmed kills. Yeah, like it's he killed true. a lot of people. It's totally not true. That, Mr. That's Rogers. a Pittsburgh one. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Rogers' balls were hitting the floor when he could even be in the fucking army during Vietnam, so it really doesn't matter. But that's one of my favorite ones. There's more about Mr. Rogers, but that's my favorite one about him. So those are my three favorite ones. So yeah, um, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of in the same boat as JP. There's a lot a lot of classic ones I really love, uh, especially ones I you know heard growing up. One of my favorites was is the hanging boyfriend one. I like the variations of that story too. I always thought it was quite interesting. Um, just the way it would kind of the way it would be told sometimes. I, I like it just the, seems I like so the, impractical though. It does. It completely does. But I, I like the fact of you know the variation where the boyfriend obviously goes out to take a leak and he ends up getting strung up and stuff, and she can hear his feet scratching on there, and she's like, ah, shit, like that. You know, she's like, what the fuck is going on, kind of thing, and she freaks out. But the only thing keeping him alive, he's actually hanging just low enough that the car is saving his life. So when she freaks out and decides, well, fuck, he's not coming back type of thing, I'm going to drive the car away. And then she ultimately kills him herself by moving the car. Yeah, um, that's I always cool. thought that. I always thought that was kind of a cool variation of it. So yeah, the hanging boyfriend is classic. I mean, yeah, like you said, pretty impractical. Probably could never really happen, but it's still fun to think about. Um, another one that's really probably not practical either but i've always thought this one was very interesting i don't know if they've ever really done this in a film before i'm not, I'm not 100 sure but are you guys familiar with the vanishing hotel room no uh urban legend like on the basically floor or something no basically what it is it's about this uh this mother and daughter they check into this hotel and shortly after arriving there the mother becomes uh like really really ill like she comes down with something crazy and uh so the daughter uh contacts the front and says you know i i need to go out like where can i get some medicine my mom my mother's really sick type deal and uh so the people that are working in this hotel they figure out something with her disease maybe it was caused from something in the hotel or something like that and um so what they do is they actually kind of delay the daughter coming back so they they kind of escort her out to get the medicine but it's taking so long you know and like 
she's being held up and shit like that because what they're doing back at the hotel is they're rearranging everything they're getting rid of her mom they're rearranging the the room that the whole look of the um the hotel and stuff so when she arrives they're like what do you mean you checked in here alone you didn't have a mom because they were <laughs> they were fearful that you know people would find out that her mom got really sick from the hotel and they didn't want that bad publicity so they just changed everything on her and made her feel like she was going fucking nuts type thing <laughs> it's, it's very impractical but it's like it's kind of an interesting urban legend of people actually going through and doing this type of thing right you know so I, I as you was talking about that it reminded me of another urban legend that we cover like it, it turns out we've covered a lot of films that are s- essentially based in urban legends sometimes but on the 2002 show dark water about the the drowned person on the roof or whatever yeah yeah <clears throat> that's right yeah so many right uh but yeah that's the vanishing hotel room i think that one's pretty interesting it'd be kind of cool to actually do i don't know how you'd incorporate that into a film but but my favorite one of all time is one that i heard as such a young child and i heard so many different variations of it and it used to literally scare the shit out of me i remember going on road trips i would always be looking for her and that's the vanishing hitchhiker um i i've heard so many cool stories this one the most the most frightening one for myself was of course my dad was telling me the story about his buddy he was driving back from edmonton to prince george one time and you know late at night through the pine pass and uh it's a very very dark isolated area kind of like the highway of tears and uh he apparently saw this girl on the road so he's like well fuck it's like two in the morning i gotta pick her up type thing so of course he stops the vehicle kind of backs up and she's not there of course as a legend goes and he's like well where the fuck did she go type thing so he kind of gets out looks for a little bit and she's nowhere to be found so of course he decides to take off continue on with his journey uh, about two three hundred yards up the road he looks over and there's this girl standing on the step step side of his truck looking in the in the passenger window uh, of course slam chills just now bro <laughs> yeah and of course he slams on the brakes and goes holy fuck. I've got this girl attached to my truck. I'm going to kill her. So he slams on the brakes and she's nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. So that, that one right there always, always used to give me the chills. I was like, that is crazy. Cause every time I'd be driving in that, I was thinking about that. And I like the other variation of that, the vanishing hitchhiker story too. I think this one originated in North Carolina or something. I think I read that a long time ago or just recently or whatever. But, um, there's the one story of, of course, the same type of deal. This guy's driving home. He sees a girl on the side of the road, but he actually picks her up and she physically gets into his car and um, and she just says, you know, I just live up, you know, uh, you know, up the highway here. Can you drop me off at this address? And so he does. He drops her off at this house and um, take, goes and continues along with his journey only to realize when he gets home she's left a sweater in the back seat so he goes well i'll return it in the morning i know i can remember where she lives so i'll just do that so he does he drives back to the house where he dropped her off and this old lady answers the door and um he goes oh it must i must have given your daughter a uh, ride or dropped off your daughter last night and she goes oh yeah my daughter died 27 years ago i think she's still trying to get home yeah kind of thing right like yeah yeah that's that's a classic tale right there that's been adapted in many variations like so often about the the ghost that's forced to like relive that night over and over and over again and you know i think dead end even is kind of yeah story that's pretty much what it is but um yeah that's that's a good one too so yeah those are probably my favorite ones it's just they they give me the the hitchhiker 
shit, I don't know, something about, you know how much I love road horror? Mm-hmm. I think this is why I like these ones too, like the Vanishing Hitchhiker and stuff, because it kind of falls into that for you. I mean, if you were to ever come around here, like driving on these highways, it's, it's very, very isolated and very dark and shit. It's fucking creepy, dude. Like, I don't know how many times I've been driving and I said to myself, like, if I break down, they're never going to find my body. <laughs> <laughs> it's like creepy shit, man. So, but, um, but yeah, so those those are probably my favorite ones. I mean, there's so many other ones. I, I mean, I like the whole. Uh, you guys are probably familiar with the Cropsy story. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was kind of interesting. Didn't mention at all yet. It's um, yeah, which Cropsy's... we actually covered a Cropsy legend in Madman. Yes, in exactly. Yeah, yeah, pretty much the exact same thing. Yeah, so I think that originally that one originated from Staten Island. Um, yeah, and then there's of course the Burning, which is also Cropsy oriented. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, lots of lots of really really classic ones. The one that I've always thought was really interesting was the Missing Bride one. Have you guys ever heard this one? Yeah, it's in this movie. Oh yeah, yeah, I guess it is. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, it's Bloody Mary and Missing Bride, exactly. So we won't even get into that then. But on that note, let's get into the third urban. Jesus Christ. <laughs> The third urban legend film from 2005, titled Urban Legend Bloody Mary. Directed well, by a, a woman we've covered one of our films very recently. Uh, two films, you retard. Two films. Yeah, so this is the th- third film by Mary Lambert we've actually covered. Yeah, and I remember when we were talking about how she got her start in music videos. Um, I forget where I was going with that, but I, 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 there was somebody else that I just remembered got their start in music videos as well that I heard after we recorded that show. Cause I remember we commented on like, Oh wow. She just did music videos and then got this film. Was that David Fincher? We were talking about. Yeah. We were talking yeah, about somebody. We did um, mention it in alien. Venture. Yeah. yeah. Alien. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, so she has done a lot of, stuff really like you know she did pet cemetery obviously probably her best film but she did a lot of tv she went on and did uh what did you say jeremy uh she her most recent film was mega python versus gatoroid (laughs) that movie gives me hemorrhoids not gatoroids that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) uh she did the halloween town uh two and yeah i mean she did this one but it was also written by michael doherty yeah, I know. It's Which crazy. is extremely interesting. Michael Doherty wrote X Men Two, and then this, <laughs> and then Superman Returns, Trick or Treat, Krampus, X Men Apocalypse, got, and then gotta pay the bills. He's doing the upcoming Godzilla, uh, King of the Monsters film. <clears throat> mm-hmm. That's right. So yeah, <clears throat> I mean, and when you think about it, I guess technically the story to this movie isn't that bad. No, it really isn't, actually. It's, you know, a little bit in the execution. But we'll get into a little quick synopsis here. On a prom night dare, a trio of high school friends chant an incantation, unleashing an evil spirit from the past with deadly consequences. It's not really the best synopsis, actually. Well, you think about why they went supernatural is the question. Yeah. I mean, I'm I mean, okay if you're going to if that, you're going right? to dub like your film. You, like, at this point, like, you could continue if, – if this one had been successful – you continue making urban legend movies and just well, they, do like the Halloween the, effect with Halloween three, where you just pick a different story. It doesn't have to be a slasher anymore. It could be anything. It could be. Well, wasn't the rumor devil. was that? I think I read. I can't remember what I read, but I read somewhere that they were supposed to make a fourth one. I think it was like called 
Urban Legend here, here it says Urban Legends Goldfield Murders. However, after being impressed by the DVD sales of Urban Legends Bloody Mary, Sony bought back the rights of the franchise. The film was later released under the title Ghosts of Goldfield. Oh shit! So, Ghosts of Goldfield we did a quadrilogy here. I've reviewed yeah. that. I've actually reviewed that film before. At Ghost of Ghosts. <laughs> Ghost of Goldfield was supposed to be Urban Legends Goldfield Murder. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think I might have reviewed that like on Body Bag. I don't know, way back in the day. But yeah, that's a really, really low budget film. Like, micro budget. Yeah. It's crazy. So, well, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, Urban Urban Legends Bloody Mary. Of course, this is the basis of this film is, uh, well, the Bloody Mary case. And um, the Missing Bride, I guess, is incorporated into this too. They kind of put both these in there which is kind of interesting yeah well i mean Um, they also incorporate other urban legends as well they do they do yeah with within some of the kills they do for sure um i don't know man what are your guys thoughts on this one i think you know mary lambert's definitely did a little bit better work than this one (laughs) in the past (laughs) <laughs> but, well, uh, I have to say, like, for a straight-to-DVD film, it's not that bad. I think if if we would have looked at it in the lens that this was a theatrical release like the other two, then we could say, like, oh, this is pretty shitty. But when you think about it, like, the fact that it was a straight-to-DVD film, I mean, it's not too bad. It's pretty bad. I mean, it's not, like, good, but it's definitely the worst out of the three. But it's, like, a mid-early 2000s straight-to-DVD horror film. I mean, I've seen worse. Yeah, I mean, I've seen worse, too. So, basically, at the beginning of the film, we get a backstory here, uh, the Bloody Mary backstory, taking place in 1969, Salt Lake City, Homecoming Dance. Uh, we got three jocks, you know, probably the the guys that run the football team. Which none of uh, these they, people look like they were from the 60s. Jocks. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, and these guys are pieces of shit, really. Like they fucking, they're, they've drugged two of the girls and, uh, and they're trying to drug Mary. Um, she kind of resists a little bit, has more or less a confrontation with one of the guys and he fucking kills her. <laughs> basically <laughs> ends up punching her in the fucking head and she falls, hits her head and dies. And he places her in a trunk in, I believe in the basement of the school, apparently where no one has ever looked in the history. And <laughs> of course not. Cause why would you going look forward there? either? <laughs> like I just, th- th- okay. So, and then it jumps forward to the present day and then, yeah, that's too um, easy. We've to got these that. three which, girls. That's a variation of the missing bride where the bride, yes, uh, it's like a game of hide and seek in a mansion and uh, the bride hides in a trunk and it gets it latches and then nobody can hear so, her because it's a mansion so what the story, she eventually dies so yeah so what the urban legend is on that one is yeah it's it the the bride they decide to play I guess in some cultures they actually do this uh, after the wedding they'll play a quick game like hide and go seek and things like that and that's what happens she hides in this trunk upstairs in this attic with latches on her no one ever finds her because the husband actually thinks that maybe she got some cold feet after she got married, I guess, and it bolted. Oh, that's some bullshit. But that's what I've always had problems with the, that urban legend. I'm like, why would nobody ever check upstairs yeah, in the yeah. fucking well, I mean, truck? It's like, supposedly in a her. giant mansion, but still yeah. the police would be there. Like, it would be full full search yeah, right. full-blown investigation you know that's what i had problems with this story too i'm like okay so this merry girl goes missing they find the other two girls blah 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 
but they never find her. I mean, they never thought to investigate all around the school. I mean, let's know. Let, let's let's put it this way. If we know from police investigations that that probably wouldn't happen, they would probably find that body. It, it does it, help they, that they it's from the sixties, but I feel like they still would bring in like scent dogs and. 1969 they would have had scent dogs they would have found that body probably in no time Mm -hmm. which is crazy because it was right there so you know the story is a little bit stupid but it is being played off the ridiculous urban legend of the missing bride so it's a little bit forgivable jump to the jump to the present day we've got three girls which i love the scene you know these three girls telling these urban legend myths and things like that and you know they're doing girly things like having pillow fights in their sexy underwear which thank you mary lambert for doing that that's amazing And um, so they start telling these stories and they actually conjure up. They do the Bloody Mary thing. They say the Bloody Mary thing like three times. I thought you had to say that shit in a mirror. Yeah, well, that's Biggie hard. Smalls, Biggie Smalls, Biggie Smalls. I, I guess in this variation, you don't really have to. But ultimately what happens is they end up waking up. Like they go, they end up missing. And they're like missing. And so they end up showing back up. I guess they got ultimately drugged by they these football drugged. players gateway drugged essentially so they kind of made their way back and stuff like that and at the same no, time date, they've date conjured they raped yep. drug because that totally happened in 1969 yeah. no no, no this is present day now this is present so okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. so and anyways they make their way back and stuff and, and meanwhile i guess since they've done this they've conjured up bloody mary and she's all essentially this is a supernatural revenge film is what it is mm-hmm. um you know she's coming back for revenge against certain people Obviously, because of uh, lucky they're the in the same realm that Bloody Mary is in. Yeah, in the same. But, I mean, conveniently enough, you know, one of the survivors they ended up. Well, she ended up. Yeah, they killed her off before they even introduced it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, so that's what we got. Here. So and then the brother start... comes in and disses Candyman. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the the legend came first. Candyman ripped off Bloody Mary. Yeah, it did. Kind, say it that. did. But, yeah, <laughs> but he doesn't need to say it. This the Candyman's a better movie. <laughs> wow. Thanks for letting me know, JP. I didn't notice the first that. thing the first thing I noticed about this film and I thought it was quite interesting to note at least, uh Kate Mara, who plays the main character in this film, um she is like a splitting image of Nev Campbell. She's like a better looking version of Nev Campbell. Oh, I don't know don't if that was intended. I, I don't I don't know if that was intended. You know, just to have that type of look in the character, just to kind of relate back to obviously Scream and things like that. Yeah, this because Nev Campbell's character is no, exactly, Four, you know, but it's the same type of thing. I, I don't know if it was intended, but I couldn't help but notice that she looks identical to Nev. I mean, when you first look at her, she's that's fucking Nev Campbell. Um, but you know, just to kind of incorporate that strong female type character and stuff. I don't know if they did that purposely. Probably, I don't know. But I had to mention it because I think she's fucking hot. Kate Mara's hot, man. Yeah, they definitely have attractive women up in this film. Um, I just think it's a mess, dude. What? Like, okay, I don't find it overly that bad. I mean, it kind of makes sense, you know. You conjure up Bloody Mary, and the reason why, or the people that she's killing off, does actually make sense to a point. You know, I mean, you think that she would probably go after the actual people that killed yeah, her. Yeah, right? that's what I'm saying. Like, why? Like, what? I understand there's probably, yeah, that's probably something people have a problem with in this film because, you know, but the ultimate revenge is to hurt someone that you love because now you got to live with it kind of thing, right? See, that's the way I kind of saw the revenge is like, man, I could see that though. Like if I did some something to somebody like that and then they came back and killed my kid, dude, that's fucking brutal, man. That's mm. brutal. I think that's a brutal storyline, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, because now you got to live with that shit. But, um, but what about all the other 
kids. What about all the other kids? Like all the other jock type. Um, well, every every pretty much every character in this film besides the main girls are total pieces of shit. <laughs> Absolutely total pieces of shit. Um, but I mean, every all the kids that are killed in this film are related to the people that you know took her youth from. I her, can't right? even so, get me like usually like the jock assholes like, are at least kind of cool. Like uh, like you could see why they're popular or something. Like these dudes are lame ass dudes, man. They don't even look cool. <laughs> well, I mean, you don't really get to know Roger all that much. The guy that gets burned up in the in the tanning bed. <laughs> that, oh, that's that's what tanning beds and that doesn't make okay. Sense. That, that makes that no that fucking sense whatsoever. It doesn't make sense because there's no timeline yeah. given in that scene, and it's like, okay, so he burnt to a fucking crisp in what thirty seconds or forty five. Even if it wasn't, I don't think those things go that high to burn you no. alive. No, man, they put about Final Destination three, mofo. Um, yeah, tanning still, dead bats still, Final Destination three. You would probably have to I be can't in remember. there for like, and like you have to even to burn something in an oven at four hundred fifty degrees. It has to be in there for a fucking while. Yeah, right. Like I mean, it has to be a while. So I mean, the timeline in that is is pretty fucking ridiculous. I, I just can't remember how burnt they were in Final <laughs> Destination. If they were just melty or they were like burnt to a crisp, I can't remember. They were definitely not. I think they were. Yeah, I don't know. In this one, they're like charcoal man yeah it's, dude oh it's, man yeah. that dude's lame but that chick was hot so i guess that's kind of an urban legend in itself though too you know yeah. uh the person going into a tanning bed and locking and then burning up so that you know i think pretty much all the kills in this film are uh they have the um the one where the hot chick she gets the uh the spiders come out of her face mm-hmm. she kind of rips off her whole face oh, really God, around, dude, that is terrible I have to say, man, that's one of that's one of the points in the film. Besides, actually, when they first conjure up Bloody Mary, the CG in that scene is fucking atrocious. But the CG in the spider scene is probably the worst CG in the history of CG. Oh, man, no, that goes to <laughs> Langoliers. But this is, yeah, that this that is great. like, dude, Cube Two, man, Cube so Two CGI bad. is pretty fucking horrible. Yeah. This is pretty bad because Cube you can, two, though, dude. The funny thing about this scene is when <clears throat> you know she has these spiders coming out of her face and shit and she starts ripping off. You can tell that she is just acting without the spiders there because where she's like hitting and stuff, there's no spiders. They didn't even put the, they had bad spider placement. Yeah, dude, they did <laughs> have bad spider that? placement. And you know what, man? Put it where she's walking, like oh, where she's fucking dude. hitting herself and stuff. I'm like, this is bullshit, dude, man. Is, I like, I, I could see how on paper, like, you know, Mike Doherty writing this, this scene, like, like you hope you don't know how they're gonna make it. You just hope that they can because it's a kind of a cool scene. Like I, I, I think that their idea is great. You know what I mean? And it, and it, and if it had they not looked like complete shit, I would have found it very like cringy and like, like, icky. You know what I mean? But Jesus Christ, man! And they, they instead of like, you know how sometimes if you know you're gonna have to do CGI, it's like oh well we'll just do it real fast and do it like quick. So like. You know, it's not on screen. Like this goes on forever. <laughs> yeah, dude. It kind of like all three of these films. I think all three of these films are too long for their own good. <clears throat> I believe this is the shortest one at like ninety three minutes or but something. They're all like the same length, pretty much. Yeah, but well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, they're short. not ninety three, ninety eight, ninety nine minutes or whatever. But I think they're all a little bit too long, even for those time constraints. So. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, one thing I did like about this film, I mean, the whole Bloody Mary aspect and, uh, the fact that, you know, she's killing, like, I mean, 
the urban legend itself of Bloody Mary is actually killing people off in other urban legends. So, you know, I can respect that. I mean, at least they tried to go back to the roots and incorporate a lot of urban legend kills and stuff. Like, we have the guy that pisses on the electric fencing. <laughs> uh, that, that's pretty funny. <laughs> it's so fucking stupid, though, man. So stupid. Blue Which stink they, off. You know, they even incorporate, you know, cutting off his finger, which they end up doing to, to Buck, right? So that's kind of cool. Not a um, stink. But yeah, I don't know, man. This it, it's it's kind of fun. I mean, there's definitely things in the plot that are kind of ridiculous. Like, I mean, it's not the worst straight to DVD early 2000 film. That's for sure. It really, it really isn't. I think there's minor plot holes and stuff with Mary. You know, in the way they're investigating her. Um, well, just the fact that she's having like these weird visions, like our main character, she's like having visions and stuff, and like how all that kind of stuff is going on. I mean, I guess you're gonna throw that into the film. You know, just to kind of make it half believable, but it's all ultimately not really. You know what I'm saying? That, like she's just acting all, all shitty like, in this movie too, like way worse than the other two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely pretty poor. I mean, I don't think I don't think uh, what is it, Sam, our main character? I don't think she's overly that bad. Uh, there is moments where a brother's pretty shitty in too. Um, but I have to admit, like the adults in this film, like Bill and and Jacoby and shit like that, like, they are fucking horrible. <laughs> Jacoby, they are fucking terrible, terrible actors and obviously characters and shit. But <laughs> you know, but yeah, I just had a little bit of problems the way that Mary was kind of the way our main character Sam was um, getting these visions and stuff from her and things like that because. Ultimately, they didn't really kind of lead her to where she was and stuff that they actually ended up finding out that type of stuff on their own or, you know, through investigative stuff. So I felt like all of those type of scenes were really unneeded and unneeded in the film. What do you guys think of those? I, I just like they're just adding the supernatural shit in there for like no fucking reason. That was ridiculous. I but. hate <laughs> like even this. <sighs> well i'm just saying, like the, you know, the you know scenes where like, we see like mary like i think those are all shitty like they're supposed to be scary and it's like oh mary's here like uh, it's cringy bad yeah because the cg is so bad but oh, like oh my god dude like I-, I could tell that that had like influence of like japanese ghost stories like the ring and stuff like that well there's literally a scene where she's crawling underneath the bed uh... and that is that's that's fucking uh the ring right there First of all, most of the time, I don't find those Japanese scary ghost stories scary to begin with, let alone if you make them look super shitty. But I do like that scene, though. I mean, not that particular part, but of um, the asshole football player there. I like that whole urban legend that people can lick, too. That story is kind of creepy, too, though. Yeah, that story is creepy, actually. (laughs) Man, that (sighs) fucking dog looks so bad hanging in the closet, though. Which they used a closet instead of the bathtub in this one, but the dog looked pretty, pretty. Yeah, it's not as good as uh, Urban Legends 2's dog kill. Or no, that was the first one. Urban Legends one. No, was it two or one? I think it was two. Which one was the microwave dog? It was two. That was at the party, right? No, in part one. Number one was it in the first one? Yep. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, man. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's pretty straightforward stuff in this one. There's really not a whole. I mean, they try to touch on the vending machine one, uh, finger in the bottle. They're doing all these type of things. Acting is super stiff in this film. I, I will admit that, but at least there's some hot chicks. I think one of the best characters, actually, one of the funniest characters, is the uh, um, oh, what the hell's the black chick man from the movie? Um, the hippie. 
<laughs> where, where they go to the hippies place. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I kind of like her, man. I kind of like her. She's Did you guys even watch this fucking film or what? It's uh, Yeah, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> I know who you're talking about, but I just... Dude. <laughs> I watch it on Wednesday. Shit's you watch, you, so you watched it a while ago then. I watched yeah, it on it. Wednesday. T- or no. What, no, when did I text you? Not to, I don't remember. I don't all remember. I don't, I, I just, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Well, Another I, long show. Was, yeah, I don't know. I watched Let's the last night, so. ratings, please. All right, well, I'll go first here. Um, you know, again, it's pretty standard stuff. I, I, like, I do like the whole Bloody Mary thing, how they incorporate all the urban legends. I think that's what you need to put in these type of films if they're going to be dubbed as an urban legend film. You might as well do that. You might as well do that. Not bad. I think the action in this film is pretty shitty. There's a lot of investigative stuff. It's a little bit too long. It's got really, really, really bad CG effects in it and stuff. But oddly enough, it's kind of fun. To be honest, it's not really the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, even with all those kind of borderline uh, attributes to the film, it's um, it has its moments. It has definitely its moments and shit like that. Um it's definitely not the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. So I am still going to give this one a pass at five and a half out of 10. I don't really mind this one. I think what? the ending's a little bit ridiculous. I think this one is a little bit ridiculous with, um, uh, what the fuck? I guess the reveal, of, not the reveal of the killer. We know who the killer is the entire film, but what he ends up doing to like his stepson and shit like that. I think that whole scene is complete and utter shit because it just the way they kind of edit into it it's the transitions into that scene seems so fucking stupid um yeah i don't know that that would actually really kind of bug me and shit like that and you know she really never knows what happens to her brother by the end of the film either which is kind of fucked up too so i don't know kind of bad writing i guess but i still don't mind it to be honest (laughs) uh okay urban legends bloody mary um this movie's bad it is a bad movie, 100%. Um, like Mood says in the intro, it's actually not good. It's quite bad. Uh, yeah, this this movie, like uh, like the last show we did was um, Laid to Rest, Crumb Skull, right? This this movie has like the same level of shit in it. It's hmm. it 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 has terrible CGI, terrible. Like, and it's not it, just it, one or two. It scenes, does have a it's better throughout. story. <laughs> debatable considering everything about the story is like doesn't make sense from the very beginning of it the very beginning doesn't make sense the whole bloody mary thing never makes sense right i mean first of all they didn't even say bloody mary in a fucking mirror and they Mm. still conjured her up (laughs) you know somehow somehow that legend was born in 1969 no kind of thing i don't know (laughs) dude i don't know man this this movie like i did not enjoy it barely at all like i laughed at the cgi spider stuff but um, it was it was an annoying watch. Uh, I, I I will say this: the early parts of the film where you first have the three girls, I was down. I was like, oh okay, this is like a fun, uh, you know, teenage horror type thing. Like I I, I actually liked them interact. It reminded me of, like the craft or something like that where they're interacting and stuff. Like I, I'm down with that. Um, like th- there's just stuff that annoyed me about this movie. Like the mother's like, wake your sister up or whatever. It's literally the same room. Like it's, it's like she can see into that room and she's been cooking breakfast all morning and don't notice that her kids ain't there. Like, get out of here. Like just little things like that are annoying. It's like, it's the same. There's, there's a gap. There's a gap. Um, 
this, this movie. I didn't like this movie at all. Like it to me, it's atrocious. You didn't you didn't get any fun out of it though, no, man. It's I, a I bad thought it was movie. It's so bad. It's a bad no, movie. It, it is bad. I thought the kills were better in this film than you know the previous one too. So that was kind of a that was kind of an upper for me too. I think they're a little bit better. I mean, anything with penis mutilation and stuff or a penis blowing up, I'm going to laugh at that. It's you love funny. your penis I, This movie is so hard <laughs> to be taken serious. Like, Well, yeah. I mean, it's but like it's, I said, it's, it's a bad film. I can yeah. see it being like so bad it's good entertaining. You know what I mean? If I'm in the right mood for that. But that still doesn't affect my rating. This movie sucks. It's a 3.5 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, I think you might have been in a pissy mood while watching this one. I mean, honestly, this is the type of movie, though, if you're not in the mood to watch a film like this, yeah, you're probably not going to get any enjoyment out of it. I was in a really fucking good mood when I watched this movie last night. But so. still, dude, it's a it's badly done. Like, it is no, bad. No, it is. <laughs> I did. I said it was bad, but I, but it, there was still enough it entertainment can be value. Fun. And enough. Four out of ten for me. <laughs> it could be fun all at once, but it's 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 badly made. Yeah. For sure, yeah. Mary Lambert, man, she's whew, she's gone a little bit downhill since Pet Oof, Cemetery, right? Jesus Christ! <laughs> so, what, what was it? you said four, Jeremy? Four out of ten. Okay, yeah, we were kind of all over the place on our ratings within this franchise. So it doesn't make the Hall of Pain. Unfortunately, it deserves to be there. Nah, I don't think so. I, I think this is this one's definitely better than all the films that are in the Hall of Pain. That's for sure. We got some pretty, we got some pretty shit, fucking diary of films in there. Oh man, I I can't remember what's in. I mean, you, you're okay if you're like, hey, would you rather watch The Howling Four or this? I'd probably pick this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course. Who would watch The Howling Four? That movie's. I would rather atrocious. watch Howling Seven than this. You've because got to that be movie shit. is so bad that it's entertaining. That movie is so bad, it's fucking irritating. That goddamn shitty country music soundtrack, fuck my life. I would rather yeah, watch Children of the Corn 4, Jaws 4. Children of the Corn 4 Halloween. is good, man. Fuck I, you, I mean, that five, five. Children of the Corn 5, the corn Jaws not 4, or Halloween Resurrection over this. It's the best sequel, Children I do agree. Children of the Corn 5 is, oh my god. Another not as bad as 6. That not movie fucking, six. yeah, 6 is atrocious. But, yeah, I mean... No Hall of Painters on this one. Do we have anything coming up? There's gonna be a Hall of Painter. I don't know. We just we had a Hall of Painter that. with Dream Cruise. Yes, Dream Cruise is fucking atrocious. Bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's it's. Speaking of halls, fuck Jerry, fuck Tim, fuck Steven, fuck Louise, fuck Mike, and fuck Neil. Who go. said the other day that Dream Cruise wasn't that bad? Was it? Uh, Zaza. Jason. Zaza. Or some, yeah, they're like, no, that movie's actually not that bad. I'm like, uh, Dave, <laughs> I think Dave Z liked it too. What? Holy fuck, that's great. I can't believe David liked it. Uh, must be it's the Asian, I don't know. Yeah, Asian that's influence. bizarre. Asian um, influence. But man, dude, like, I don't know, dude. I couldn't get, so me, I couldn't get into this one that much. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's understandable. I mean, I think this is a great example of a film where you kind of need to be in the mood to watch something like that. You know? Yeah, I, I mean, I I really like the second one. You know, a seven out of ten compared to this shit, which is a three point five. Mm-hmm. And then I like the first one too. I just don't think it's like overly great. But um, this one, I I, I just did not. I just didn't get it. Get get down with it at all. I can understand. I do. I do admit that if I watched this with like a, another person and like poked fun at it, like like one of our, my movie night videos or something. 
it would be a hoot because there's plenty mm-hmm. of stuff to make fun of in this movie. Um, but yeah, that I'm still is... not letting part two. I'm still not letting part two live down with not killing Joey Lawrence off though. <laughs> I mean, he gets shot and then he, they, then you see him in the end making the film and shit. I'm like, the fuck, he didn't die. Whoa, <laughs> that was my reaction. And I was like, the killer from Whoa. part one is in the end of part two, right? Yep. Yep. That's cool. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, name dropper. but there's actually a really funny line that they drop actually in the end of the first urban legend that ties into Rebecca or to her character and her real life. <laughs> it's actually quite funny, actually. I don't know if you guys caught that. I guess you'd have to see it. It was basically referring to some some type of commercials that she had done. Yeah. So I thought that was actually quite funny. So that but, is uh, the urban legend show. Um, definitely fun. Uh, Leave comments down below if you guys want to hear or more urban legend type shows because I think we could dig in the crates here and find a shitload of them. There's yeah, just so I wouldn't mind doing a Jersey Devil one. Give us a chance to cover last broadcast. Um, a cryptozoology Devil. Bigfoot episode. I'm sure we could do a couple films from there. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, like the, the, like when you're talking cryptozoology, that's like a complete different branch of urban legends. Like you got like the Loch Ness monster and. Um, yetis and and all kind of weird shit out there. Yetis, um, Mothmans and stuff. But there's tons and tons and tons and tons of urban legend films, and uh, I'm sure we could we could do more of these. So definitely let us know. Uh, there was man, I swear to God, there was something that I wanted to say before we. Oh yeah, guys, how does it feel to be in the presence of a two-time Stanley Cup? back-to-back champion right ah, now. fuck you you fucking bitch oh jeremy you're buttered about everything jesus christ Look, i'm sorry that the <laughs> team that absolutely destroyed the black hawks <clears throat> lost to us i'm sorry that that happened but you know that's what happened impressive man it's really really impressive to win back-to-back stanley cups in this nobody's day done age. it in the salary Player- cap era Oof. Man, like fucking the Penguins were beat the shit up. That was crazy, man. Crazy. I'm glad. I'm glad that my boy Crosby could fucking pull that shit yeah, out. Yeah, you're though. actually not a Penguins hater, unlike Jeremy. Every time I, we get lost, he I get credit where credits to Crosby's like my favorite player. <laughs> Throughout though, the even. entire Stanley Cup, every Level time jump. we lost, Jeremy talked shit. Every time you blew it. <laughs> <laughs> One night but I was I, having a really bad night, and I didn't even want to hear it. I was I fucking left the chat. I was like, "Fuck hey, this!" Did you see that play in that fucking Jays game where uh, I forgot who got walked, but he was walking. I think it was against Tampa Bay. Batista and he stole second. Yeah, when he got, when he was walking. <laughs> yeah, the catcher like or the pitcher was all fucking pissed off that he walked and put his head down and walked off the mound. <laughs> I can stole second. Yeah, that's a rare play, yeah, man. You don't see that very often. I saw that. I saw that online. I was cracking up. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's pretty funny. But that is going to conclude episode 105 here, the Urban Legends trilogy show. Hope you guys enjoyed that. I really had a lot of fun with this. You know, reading up on urban legends and just kind of reliving the childhood memories and thinking back to the campfires and shit, man. It was fun. I had a lot of fun with this episode, man. So, mm-hmm. um, Jeremy, take us the fuck out of here. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 105 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror Podcast. As always, if you want to follow the man himself, you could do so at youtube.com slash moods616. If you want to follow JP, who you still should not watch his full moon unboxing review, you could do so at youtube.com slash doubleshotj. And as always, you can follow me on my channel, youtube.com slash nesdoor22. I don't know why you would, because my videos aren't that good. And as always, you can follow us on Facebook 
Facebook.com search bar 22 shots of moods and horrors. Always you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash 22 shots podcast, where you could watch JP post pictures of movies that he's watching that no one cares about. And as always, you could leave us an email, 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com. That's 22 shots of moods, A N D horror at gmail.com. And as always, if you have any questions, you can leave us a voicemail at 724-426-6665. And as always, please go to our affiliate links, horrorpack.com slash go slash 22 shots and as well as terror threads and as always that should be it everybody for episode 105 of the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast i shall be taking a good long three week break while these fuckers plan probably even longer considering uh you know that's when we record and then you know what i mean well I'll talk to you fuckers in a month then as these <laughs> bofos kick me out. And so, they team up with those homos exploding heads and they do the 86 show. I or may or may not make an appearance. We shall see. But stay tuned for that. Yeah, that, that's going to be a huge show, guys. Um, get ready <laughs> well, for Technically, it. you'll be a part of, I mean, because we're going to do a random drawing for another year and then you'll be on that one. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, but you, yeah, but you have to not slack on it because it does take lots of effort. Yeah, it's been a lot of prep for this. Yeah, I still have a lot to go, honestly. But um, yeah, uh, Jeremy actually might give us a top five or top ten clip for '86 since he won't be part of it. But nice. yeah, that's going to be a huge show. Those shows always do well. I'm excited to see uh, what the next year is going to be too. Like that's one of the more exciting parts of doing those shows. So what are we going to incorporate the seventies and two thousand um, eleven to twelve through seventy nine, <clears throat> and then two thousand ten to two thousand twelve, and I might just throw like a random year from the fifties in there. Just ninety three, nineties or nineties, and the early two thousands or the uh, you know two, the aughts or discon dis <clears throat> what is it called discontinued dis. Uh, disqualified from this uh drawing because we've already done shows on those yeah and then the 80s will be disqualified too because um we're trying to get some new decades here yeah yeah so every every time we do one we eliminate uh, a decade that we already done and then once it goes full circle and we get back to uh i guess it would just be the seven so it has to be the 70s next or an early 2000s year and then after that, we can probably recycle every, all the years again. Mm-hmm. Sweet. All right. Going to be a fun show. Well, I'll see you guys later. Peace. Peace. Peace.